Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride, along with Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, and Andrew Gibson. I'm Frank Frangie, live from Island Wing Company in Bartram on a warm Wednesday, a warm February 23rd Wednesday here on the First Coast. Glad you're along for the ride. A lot to do here. Um, I, I do have a problem. I heard you do the handoff, Brooks. And okay. You, and you did not mock them about the fact that we have coconut shrimp. What happened? I dropped the ball. Okay, that's, that's good. You know what? <laughs> Accountability. You know what? That's you have I to admire that. that. You know, someone that admits without no, there was no I denial. I traveled. Yeah. There was no denial. I'll take it. Right there. You I know dropped what? Dropped the ball and I traveled. I'll take that. That's, that's and we lost the game. Say no more. Dan, you know what? I love it. Yeah. Are the coconut shrimp ordered? Uh, I think they are not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> so then, who dropped that ball? Hayes. <laughs> Okay, uh, and I don't mind y'all taking turns. It's ball not my fault. It's your fault. Okay, right. How about right, that? Right. How about no accountability? Yeah, and just, Star and just, player uh, over there. And this is what I'm, I'm pointing yeah. fingers yeah, and, and at just, you guys. And just so y'all know, if anything else goes wrong with the show today, I'm blaming Gibby. Okay, yeah. so they're, they're they're all, we're all covered. Clearly, I'm fault. a role player on the team. Hayes is yeah, the star he's the player. Star. There's no question. You're right about that. That's I mean, very yeah, yeah. We're talking. We're talking about coconut shrimp. not a game. Not a game. Yeah, you're coconut shrimp. You're right. Lauren goes for four point five and two. Hayes is averaging 15. He when he messes up, it's a bad thing for in terms of island wing. 4.5 was close to my GPA. If that's what we're talking about, there, there you go. <laughs> I have no doubt. I yes. have no doubt. Um, hey, a lot of things to talk about. What a, what a fun game to watch last night. Um, Ju and Bellarmine, and just not Ju's year. Uh, uh, interesting game. Ju loses. Meanwhile, but I want to get to UNF because we'll be there tomorrow. What a nice performance by them. We weren't there for that one against a good Eastern Kentucky team. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a second. But Ju last night. That's where we were. Um, what a weird game, Hayes. They shot the lights out in the first half. They really shot it well. And when you shoot it well, you know they're going to defend usually. So they, they made everything. They got up 51-40 in the second half. Uh, what, ten, maybe 10 to play, 10 or 11 to play, something like that. Yeah. And looked like they had it well in hand. And from that point forward, Bellarmine, Bellarmine went to a driving offense, kind of picked them apart a little bit, got to the goal a bunch. Um, a few kickouts for threes, but mostly they, they took their guy, and J.U. started missing shots. J.U. lost at the end. Down three, Kevion Nolan is fouled, made the first one with 3.2, I think, to play. Then he was going to have to purposely miss the second one, uh, and he did, and, he, and as he did, um, he didn't get the rebound of Bellarmine. Oh, but. look at this guy, <laughs> Jacob. <laughs> Maybe it was ordered, okay? Yeah. There you go, Jacob. see? <laughs> See there. You Thank know. you. So now, now the the Hayes ball droppings off the off the board right. now. I knew it? I was yeah. never. I knew I was covered. <laughs> we do have. I've we, got Jacob in my. We corner. do have coconut shrimp has just been delivered. Anyway, tough loss for Ju. Um, look, it's one of those years. It's it's Jordan Mincy's second year as a head coach. It didn't go the way he wanted it to. Thought they played hard last night, but couldn't make any. Had great looks in the second half and couldn't make any of them. Yeah, and, and that that was the thing. They had a couple that were almost at the rim uh, that they weren't able to convert on, and the the thing that 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 I'm struck by, is, and again, I don't watch every Ju game, but uh, the defensive intensity that they exhibited when I saw them last year versus this year is striking, considering it's pretty much the same group, uh, but they they just don't play the kind of tenacious defense that I think they played in his first year. And I think that's been the difference in six and 11 versus 11 and six. You know, I mean, it just, uh, it just seems like there were, there were communication issues, but even that, I mean, they, they just don't seem to have the same defensive fire and intensity is what uh, is, is what they, and again, I'm very limited sample size uh, from what I've seen. 
but it but also a striking difference. So I feel the need to to point it out because these are you know they are these are huge games, and uh, I didn't think they had it against UNF, and I didn't think they had it when they needed it against uh, Bellarmine. They started great. I mean, we were talking about you know Bellarmine was on pace to score basically like forty eight points, you know, with seven minutes left in the first half, but. Uh, yeah, I think a, a really, really disappointing season for JU, who now has to beat Eastern Kentucky on Friday. I think to even just have a chance uh, of of getting in, that that in and of itself may not be enough. And uh, although I think they did get the results they needed with Gulf Coast losing last night, Queens did lose to Liberty. So uh, so maybe Friday will be a great day for JU and they'll take care of business. But that Eastern Kentucky game is huge for Eastern Kentucky because they're now needing to fight to stay in the top six. And so it's not like Eastern Kentucky's not going to have anything to play for. Right. Since they lost to UNF, uh, you know, they're now desperately trying to fight for the best seed that they can get. Uh, so anyway, it's, uh, it was a tough loss for JU, no doubt about it, and it has been a tough season. Yeah, I, I certainly thought going into that game, Frank, that Osayo Sifo and Jordan Davis would provide not necessarily the spark because Kevion Nolan's kind of always the spark and, and Mike Marsh is really good too, but I thought they would provide enough because of the size advantage that JU would, would kind of dominate in the paint and we'd be talking about, yeah, how does JU beat Eastern Kentucky? And so the, the fact that those two guys between the two of them only combined for six points, yeah. that to me is, is, a, is a hole uh, as far as JU's game. This will be one of those years. They lost Bryce Wortman, a 6'8 power forward, who was their best inside scorer. I think it was an ACL, gone for the year. He'll be back next year. And at the time, it was like, well, you hate to lose him, but they had so many good big guys because they thought Payne, to your point, would be better than he was. Marsh is in there. Osifo's in there. And the, tr- the truth is, Omar Payne just hasn't had a very effective season for him. He just hasn't been, you know, Omar Payne will be a, a cautionary tale. Here's what, it, it's a really interesting story. So Omar Payne is a top 50 recruit. He was the 46, according to ESPN, their, their recruiting service, he was a top, I think, 46 best player in the, in the country. Top 50 recruit. If you put an NBA jersey on him today, he'd fit in. He'd look like he was on one of the teams. He's, he still looks got the look. So he goes to Florida. That was a big hit. That was the year Florida got Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis, and Omar Payne in the same year. Three top 50 guys. And that's when Mike White looked like he was the best recruiter in the country. And so, so he gets there, does nothing at Florida for two years, doesn't play very much, doesn't hustle a lot. Mike White, with the staff, was down on him because he didn't work very hard. Had the one amazing game. Right, had the, the, the Auburn game, yeah. right. So he transfers to Illinois, basketball school, in a top 20 school, top 25 school. I think at some point a top 10 last year, barely plays. They just, they just can't get much effort out of him. So that didn't work. So he transfers back to JU. So the thinking will be okay. He's been in the SEC in the Big Ten. Now he's going to a league he's probably going to dominate. He'll probably dominate the Atlantic. That's no knock on the Atlantic Sun, but it's a different league. He'll come to the Atlantic Sun and dominate and has been not much of a factor, and a very little factor even similar to his, his first two stops. So I asked around about him. I said, tell me about Omar Payne. Is he a dog, bad kid, doesn't work hard? None of that. He's a good student, graduates on time, um, goes to class, um, well-liked on the team, good teammate. Um, just, uh, it's, so I thought it was just, just when the light goes on, just isn't a very productive player. You think a six foot ten. 240-pound guy that is that physical, that bodybuilder build. With that wingspan. With that wingspan would be a dominant player. And it just turned, it just, just turned out that he uh, 
that he didn't turn out to be a particularly good player. And I think that was the blow. I think that was the guy. And, by the way, if we're being honest, Kevion Nolan hasn't had a great year. He was probably the second-best player in the league last year behind Darius McGee, and he's been just okay this year. I think that's part of it, too. It was really striking yesterday watching the game because Jordan Mincy's got, you know, the team grouped together for the final, you know, basically sequence. And Omar Payne is, like, six places down on the bench with another teammate just out of it. And it, it just – I, 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 and and he, he, on the court, he is very good about if he gets a nice pass from a teammate and he scores, you know, he makes sure to point to that teammate and acknowledge him. But it's like, wow, how did this happen? How is that kind of an athlete not on the court at JU, not involved? And, and again, he wasn't the only one. And, and Jordan Mincy, I'm sure, just wants the guys that are going to be on the court in that huddle. But it still was just striking that at JU, this kind of an athlete is not is not in this moment it is basically just a complete might as well not even have the uniform on it's uh it's just it's striking yeah as far as uh unf goes though they clinched last yeah, night and it, so certainly uh they can kind of relax when it comes to tomorrow yeah. night's game against bellerman yeah will they be well, and, it, and their placement doesn't change right does there can, can there it any? seems like they're locked into yeah. either seven or eight which yeah. won't really matter right because they're still going to have to go to right the second seed uh, and uh, to their site, and so and the, obviously there's no difference in being the seven or the eight. Uh, so I, I think that they're pretty much yeah, pretty much. So I would I would assume that they go Either to, to Kennesaw. I would think they would play if, if you're if you're. The if eight. you're the seven, you'd go to Kennesaw and play the think. eight. Right, right, yeah. So in, in, it will in, either be Queens, uh, Gulf Coast, or Ju. Yes, I think yes, that's right. And J, Ju now the Queen did Liberty beat Queens? Yes. Okay, so so Ju now now needs to to win tomorrow night against Eastern Kentucky to have any chance to have any chance, and they would need Liberty to beat Queens. And if Liberty beats Queens and they've got the tiebreaker over, they would be tied with Queens and would have the tiebreaker over Queens. So that's how that would work. So they would have the tiebreaker over them. And if FGCU loses, JU has a better record in the A Sun than FGCU as well. I got you. So uh, yeah. So so. But anyway, hopefully JU gets in. Congratulations, UNF. I'll say this about UNF, and again, we'll talk more about them tomorrow because we'll be at UNF for the program tomorrow. I think UNF's playing at a pretty good level. Although those veteran guys are starting to play like it. Placier's playing great. Hendrickson is a veteran guy. I mean, Ibar's been there a long time. They got a lot of guys that played a lot. Darius Hicklin's been there a while. They got a lot of guys that have played a lot of basketball. They're a team that really could make a run at this thing now. I mean, they're a team that is built. They make, they're big and they make shots. Would you be surprised at all if all of a sudden they get in that thing and win a game or two? I would not because they're playing angry, Yeah, which is what you have to be playing this cool. time of year. They're motivated and they're angry, and they've completely bought into what Matthew Driscoll told them three weeks ago. February is our month. This is the, don't forget about what's happened. Forget about the disappointing start. This is our month. And obviously UNF has completely embraced that. Uh, and it was a really impressive win last night, uh, again, against a team that at the time was the three seed. Uh, and so, yeah, if, if you're if, – I'm assuming Kennesaw State's going to be the two. If you're Kennesaw State, you, have, you want no They're part. They're one right now, by the way. They're one right now? Yep. I wonder if – and I know, they've, okay. they, I know they beat Liberty in the last time. I'm curious if – but regardless, if you're Liberty or Kennesaw, yeah. I do not think you want to see UNF on Tuesday night. No, I totally agree. And yeah, I agree. I with mean, that. 
You look at the numbers that UNF's putting up, 92 points against Stetson. Granted, against Lipscomb, that was uh, double overtime at 114 points, 71 and 77. That's a high-scoring basketball team. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're playing really well. It'll be fun to watch them tomorrow night. And right. they're all able to play with ease, too. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. Glad you're with us on the program today. Brett Hastings will join us a little bit later on. We'll talk more about this Brandon Miller situation. We've got a little bit of an update. I'll get to that. Also, Florida has lost, it looks like he's losing his third assistant football coach. It now will be tight ends coach, wide receiver coach, and defensive coordinator all headed to the NFL. We'll talk about that. Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator at Denver, it looks like, under Sean Payton. He goes back to where he was a head coach. Can you go back to where you were a head coach as an assistant coach? We'll talk about that. Could Gus Bradley or Ron Zook or the guys like that ever go back to the school where they weren't with the head coach? Darkness has ended for Aaron Rodgers. He's seen the light. We just don't know what the light told him. So we'll get to that. I got some college baseball to get to as well. We're loaded up with stuff today. Glad you're with us. Uh, Live from Island Wing Company on a Thursday. Our Thursdays are always brought to you by Stanley Pools, and it's also an old rock Thursday. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train going anywhere Carline, if you didn't know this one was coming, you're suspended. Yeah. You have a hunch? Had a hunch, great call, beautiful song. And cannot wait to hear it perform live. We will be a journey is in town, Carline and I. Word is that Matt Hayes will be on that train. Have you heard this? I have. Some Molly other, crew. Many others uh, so will be at the uh, journey show. Um, Toto also, by the way. Did you know that? I did. Toto's going to be there too. So uh, that's the Sunday. Bless the rains down in Africa. God bless the rains down in Africa is exactly right. And hold the line. The, uh, just so you know. <laughs> but uh, Journey today on – and Rosanna too. Well done, Gibby. Um, Journey today on Old Rock Thursday. You'll hear um, songs from Journey. Journey was a great band, by the way. You know, mm-hmm. the stuff sounded similar, and Steve Perry left it too early, and Arnell – is it Panada? Uh, yes. And Arnell, who sounds great, mm-hmm. and he sounds a lot like Steve Perry, mm-hmm. but isn't Steve Perry. Yeah. But it's still uh, – and, and by the way, just so you know, I'll give you a, a, a spoiler alert. I did not put O'Sherry in there because it's technically not a Journey song. That's right. Did you know it wasn't a Journey it's song? It's a Steve Perry song. It's a Steve Perry song. But yeah. I, why did, I thought it was a Journey song for the longest time, but it's not. He did it solo. It, well, it sounds exactly sounds like, like a Journey, a journey yeah, song. Right, but, so. yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. him. And, uh, yeah, I just remember the, the girl in the video was really attractive um, for O'Sherry. But uh, <laughs> Journey was an interesting band because when I was a kid, they were a band that the music video genre right. did not help. Uh their okay. video for Separate Ways is one of the most cringeworthy things you will ever see. <laughs> if you want to see three minutes of the cheesiest music video you've ever seen, I'm good, thanks. Google Separate Ways by Journey. Right. So they didn't really do a good job of, of translating to that. So as a kid, I never really appreciated it much. And then they had like the arcade game, video game or something like that. Um, but as an adult, when you started to really hear their music yeah. away from, you know, the videos, it's like, man, these guys are really good. And, yeah. uh, and obviously the uh, Don't Stop Believing being in the Sopranos finale Correct. really gave them a, a tremendous yeah. boost 
uh, to a new generation of fans. And uh, again, I think that's one of the most beautiful rock songs ever created. Did you guys see the play or the movie Rock of Ages? You yes. See it? I loved it. As cheesy and corny. Did you see it, Lauren? Mm-hmm. As cheesy and corny as it was, I loved it. I loved it. And I never saw it on – Suzanne saw it on Broadway. Suzanne took Amber. My wife and my daughter went to see it on Broadway when Constantine Margolis was in it, a guy who'd been an idol, and it was spectacular. And I never saw it on Broadway. Um, but then, but, but we've seen it. I've seen it in the movie. I, I, and and they're, they're, that song is the, the theme song of that. I mean, it's, it's how, it, how it kind of ends, how the movie ends. But it's, it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. Um. Uh, let me get to some news. So let me start with this Brandon Miller stuff. Uh, this happened right at the end of our show. We didn't get to it. But there is more news. This is a statement from Brandon Miller's attorney. I'm going to read it verbatim. Indulge me. Before Brandon arrived to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles and the individual with Miss Harris apparently exchanged words. Listen closely now. Without Brandon knowing any of this context, and as Brandon was already on the way to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles texted Brandon and asked him to bring his firearm. Brandon subsequently arrived at the scene to pick him up. Brandon never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in Mrs. Harris's party. He was never involved in a verbal altercation with Cedric Johnson, who was with the Davis. Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in his exchange to Mr. Davis in any way, and never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. Brandon did not block the Jeep driven by Mr. Johnson. In fact, Brandon had already parked on Gray Street when the Jeep pulled up behind him. The street was never blocked by Brandon's vehicle. Gunfire erupted shortly after the Jeep arrived, and Brandon's vehicle was struck by bullets fired from one of the guns. Brandon quickly left the area when the gunfire erupted. As soon as he was notified that somebody had been injured and police wished to speak with him, he has fully cooperated with law enforcement's investigation. All of the events above are clearly captured on video, so there is no dispute. Brandon, meanwhile, has submitted to multiple interviews to assist law enforcement in further understanding the situation. He has volunteered to have his phone contents extracted, as well as the contents of his automobile. He will continue to cooperate, as any citizen should. Uh, Brandon does not own a firearm, has never even handled a firearm, Moreover, he had no knowledge of any extent to use of any weapon. All right, now, that was from his attorney. I talked to someone today that knows a little bit about the situation that is close to one of the folks involved. And the story the person told me today that I trust was that Miles, that Brandon and another player, another friend, were in the car with Darius Miles. They let him out. They, weren't, they didn't stay because the, there was a line too long at the bar or establishment. They were supposed to come back and pick him up at whatever time. While they were on their way back, this is what I was told today, Miles texted Brandon and said, bring my gun, meaning come back and get me, because unbeknownst to Brandon, what I'm told today, now I want to be clear, this is just a story I was told, the gun and some clothing belonging to Miles were already there. So Miles was saying, bring me my gun, what he meant was come back and get us, as far as Miller thought. Miller comes. Miles comes to the car, gets his stuff out of the car. What I'm told today is Miller didn't know there was a gun there um, and then took the gun. Miller never got out of his car. When the firing started, got, got freaked out a little bit and left. Now, that's the story I was told. And what the attorney says is video shows all of that. So I'm wondering, 
in fairness to Brandon Miller, and we've tried to figure out everything, and I, I think it was so smart telling the story. Regardless of whether you believe the story or not, somebody had to stand up and say, this is the story. And so that's why he was allowed to play last night, and by now, Lauren, you know the story. He went for 41. He made the winning shot to beat South Carolina in overtime. And by all accounts, by all these accounts, he's innocent. All he did is drive his car back to pick up miles like he was supposed to with no idea that all that was going to go out, come down. I still think we're going to learn more about this, but in fairness to the player, at least that's a different take or a different set of circumstances than any of us knew existed. I'm really surprised that on Monday when we first heard about Brandon Miller's involvement, that it was said that he brought the gun, but it wasn't specified that he never touched the gun. He was not involved in the exchange of giving right, the right. gun to Davis, who actually shot her. So I, I'm very surprised that we were given a little bit of information, but not the full story, because this is obviously very different. If he was already driving, and he didn't even know a gun was in the vehicle. That's totally different than he delivered the well, gun that was used to kill her. And one of the things that happened is I think one of the one of the accused, I think it might be the guy, Davis, that shot the gun, is the one that was telling the story of, of the gun show that, that Darius called Brandon to bring the gun. Brandon brought the gun. Uh, Davis, or Miles, gave the gun to Davis, said it's loaded, and he shot it. Nobody ever, it, so we implied, or it, we, we, we inferred from the implication, I suppose, that that meant Brandon went, got the gun out of the drawer, right. drove it and handed it to Darius Miles. The other side of the story is that none of that happened. He drove the car back to pick him up, unknowing that this, tr- this gun was in the back with his clothing, and he never saw the text until after all of it went down. So at least a different side of the story for sure. Yeah, and again, he's been, I mean, cleared isn't even the right word, but he's, he's never been the focus of any criminality in this i mean the uh prosecutor the state prosecutor has gone out of out of their way to say that he's not implicated in this at all uh i still think it's a really tough situation for alabama i i still would have reservations about him playing um you know and, and again it's not even so much from a disciplinary standpoint it's just to respect the fact that of what just a a tragic story it is and uh and again he plays uh, again he he's he plays enough of a part in it to where again representing Alabama representing any school in athletics is a privilege it is not a god-given right right and uh if Alabama obviously isn't going to do this but uh but I'd certainly have no problem if Alabama said you know what we're not it's it again it's not a suspension we just feel like in light of everything and what's going on, it would be better for Brandon and better for everybody if our team didn't have this hanging over it. Because it's only going to get uglier. I mean, it's, it, it is going to be, uh, unless, in, you know, again, if, if this is the only information that, that we have, if nothing else really develops, I, I think it's going to create a, a really big issue for Alabama uh, as they progress in their season. Um, but, again, they're clearly Alabama's, from, you know, the president on down, you know, their take on this is the kid isn't in any trouble legally. We're not going to take any action. But yeah. I just think it's, it's just such a, a terrible crime 
that to me it's it it'd be difficult to see him out there. I mean, and again, I it's I find it unbelievable that the kid isn't the least bit obviously bothered by it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I would like to hear him. That's the thing. I would like to he, again if 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 this is the truth, and if the real truth is that he didn't that he he drove he didn't know. I'd like to hear him say that. And and the the step one is the lawyer coming out. And again, if you don't want your young player to to to, to get cornered by journalists, I get that. But if nothing else, I would like to hear him, even if it's staged, where somebody's asking him layup questions that you knew he was going to get. I'm okay with that. I'm okay because I don't want to see a veteran journalist talking to an 18-year-old who's better at it than he is. That doesn't that 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 doesn't accomplish anything. But it wouldn't bother me if it was if if somebody even if it was teed up said, Brandon, what happened? And he said, I was going to pick Darius up. I had no idea there was a gun in a car. I knew he had his stuff in the back seat. My plan was to pick him up. We got there. He came over to the car. I never got out of the car. All of a sudden, I, he's got his stuff and a bunch of bullets are firing. I, was, I, I freaked out and I left. Um, that is all there was to it. I never saw a gun. I never touched a gun. I've never been around a gun. I didn't know he had a gun. I would like to see him say that. Not, not in a media setting where people can, can twist his words. Again, let it be the play-by-play guy. Let it be someone who's on Team Alabama. I'm okay with that. But I'd like to see the video of him saying that. I said this before, and I'll say it again. I really wish Marcus Stokes, when it happened, I told Denny this offline, I wish Marcus Stokes, when he lost his scholarship offer, had, 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 had himself said, listen, I know, he, I know he, he gave an apology on Twitter, but I would have loved to see Marcus Stokes say, listen, I am not a racist. I like hip-hop music, and I was singing along to a song. I never, and it was probably careless for me not to pay more attention to the words in the song, but I'm not a racist. And I would like to hear Darius, I, w- I mean, I'd like to hear Brandon Miller say, listen, I did not know there was a gun in the car. I have never handled a gun. I never handled a gun that time. And I'm so sorry with, that everything that happened, I'm so sorry that I had a p- place in it. But I was just going to pick up my teammate, having no idea any of this was going on. Wouldn't you like, and again, I would not put him in a media setting where he can get grilled or his words twisted. I would put him in a, in a setting, but I would love to see him. I would love to see him on video saying that. I think I think the public deserves to hear the words directly from him, absolutely. And I understand not putting him in a media setting. I, I would think that he'd have trouble getting through the answers because of the trauma of the tragedy that he experienced about a month ago. I, at least if I witnessed someone being shot and one of my friends killed them, I would not be able to go play basketball and I would not be able to talk about it easily. But I understand that he probably is wanting to keep playing because that's helping him. I I get it. It's just, I would be so emotional that I would not be able to talk about it without breaking down. And we, and we don't, we all, and you do, I do this too, Lauren. We all say, well, I would, well, well, we don't, we don't live their lives. You know, we, we're not, uh, we're not a 19 year old in today's, today's world, you know? So, but I, I, cause I hear you, we, we, a normal person would think that would rattle us, and maybe he's terribly rattled. And like you said, maybe his release is basketball. But anyway, it's an interesting story. Uh, every time the day changes, the story changes. And I, but I do believe that there's probably some truth to the fact. I don't think and, – and the one thing the, the attorney said is it's all on video. So there's a video of all of it because it's on the strip in Tuscaloosa, which is super busy. And, and again, he's been totally cleared. Mm-hmm. So, right, I mean, right. it's not like he's a person of right. interest and maybe well, charges yeah. are forthcoming. Yeah, and some, they have basically 
destroyed any case they can ever make against him. Right. And it, because they've said yeah. he has had nothing to do with this. And we've seen cases in the news, sports and otherwise, where a guy gets cleared, but you wonder how did he get cleared. In this instance, if the story they're telling is A, true, and B, able to be corroborated by video, well, you understand why he's not. And if that's the case, he should be playing. And I feel like I'm, guys, I feel like I'm wishy-washy going back and forth on this. And I don't. That's how I felt today after learning more about it. Like, I've been pounding the pulpit saying he needs to be suspended and he he should not play. now you learn more. And now it's like, well, maybe there was a lot more to the story, but why didn't that come out originally? Well, and, and that's why people work so hard to not talk. The attorneys tell us not to talk, not to talk, not to talk. Well, maybe sometimes you're better off if you do. It's got to be planned. It can't just be off right. the cuff. So, anyway, but we'll see what happens. Take a break. I want to talk Florida football and the coaches that keep leaving. That's next. Stay with us on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Frank Hayes, Matt Hayes, any others? Terry, Nor- Terry Norvell. Terry Norvell. Um, yeah, some others, but uh, I don't know if you'll know them. But, yeah, a but, but bunch of us. I may jump out of the All suite. men, is that um, correct? All, oh, yeah. All, I thought you said old men, yes. Oh. And old men, <laughs> I said yes. all men. Well, we, our, group, our group is a bunch of, it's a guy's trip. Okay, our, will our, there our, be any craft beer consumed on the way to Journey? There will be some beer consumed. It depends on what kind of beer people choose. Mine will probably be Bud Lights. Okay, we have a driver. We have a driving service. So, um, so I will probably have Bud Lights. So there's that. That'd be my guess. But if people want yes. craft beer, what they should do is go to the Riverside Craft Beer Festival on Sunday from yep. 1 to 4. And if they want to go right now, they can win a pair of VIP tickets. Caller number 5 at 641-1010. Caller number 5, 641-1010. Lots of different beer available. Hayes, what will you be drinking Sunday? You know. Is this a Jack and Coke kind of It might be. Okay. It might be. Well, it's, hard, it's hard to tell. But that is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lucky, and, and uh, our hosts have been very gracious yeah. to even ask what we yeah. would like, and yeah. that is what I requested. Okay. So, uh, so that, that is uh, that I, it will certainly be in the uh, in the mix, and it 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 it, it might go the distance. I, I won't. I will, it'll, it'll go yeah, the it, distance. It might have a complete I, game. I, I, I will. T- I will not. I will not name our host only because I don't know that he wants to be named, but. Right. But uh, certainly uh, our friend Terry Norvell, who always wants to be named, <laughs> is uh, my, one of my dear friends in the world. And he put this whole thing together. And they were so kind to us that they were kind enough to not only invite us to sit in this suite with them, but they sent out notes about what is your drink of preference. I said, listen, you guys are taking care of all the rest of it, ticket suite and all. I'll, let me buy the drinks. And I was told, absolutely not. So I said, thank you, and then I sent my beer of preference, which, to no surprise, was Bud Light. So that's what we did. And Hayes saw his, too, because it was a group text, and I, I think Hayes is a heavy liquor guy. I'm just going to tell you. That's what I saw. I, yeah. I saw the text. So there's, right. that. so there's that. So this host only invited men, just to re- make sure I understand I, I honestly, correct. I don't no, know. I, yeah, I don't. I don't. No, I did this host. This host Sports-loving people only yeah, men. Yeah, uh, this host. Uh, Terry, again, Norvell put it together. Okay, so I should text Terry. You should text Terry. <laughs> Norvell put the whole thing together and just said, hey, you guys want to come. That was what it was. So well, you. I'm going to yell at him when I see yeah, him you, next you, time I see him, because yeah, I was not invited. You, can, you should yell right at him. Norvell loves being yelled at, too. So you, you should yell right at him. So, <laughs> so there's that um florida has now lost three um assistant coaches they've lost three now they have lost william piegler the tight end coach they have lost um the defensive coordinator patrick tony yeah patrick Patrick tony and they lost their wide receivers coach kiri colbert it looks like all to the nfl correct i'm and you know me i'm an i'm an underreactor on stuff like this I never react. I, ne- I, I, think, I think people tend to overreact to stuff like this. 
But it is three now. That's a lot of coaches. Now, I know they got 100 on the staff, but they don't have 100 that are real coaches on the staff. And this is three of the nine real coaches. That's 33% of the real coaches. Is, is it a concern? I think what happened yesterday isn't Tony and Piegler. This one I think is a little bit of a concern because Colbert brought in a, a great receiving class. I mean, the, the receivers that Florida brought in is exactly what they needed. They needed blazing speed. And, uh, and he certainly had a hand in recruiting that. Uh, so uh, it's a little concerning, uh, you know, to lose Colbert. I, I, the only thing I will say is I always focus on, okay, well, where are these guys leaving for? And if you're leaving for the NFL, I totally get that. It, it's, A, it's the NFL, but B, again, Another recruit tweeted out today all the letters that they've gotten from Florida. I can't imagine the hours wasted that these coaches, you know, are scribbling notes to – I mean, if, if you're a receivers coach at the University of Florida, you're probably recruiting, what would you guess, 30 receivers yeah, in a given year? Right. Probably hoping to, guys, to sign three of the 30. In addition to guys in your area. In addition yeah. to guys in your yeah, area. I mean, the way college recruiting works is you get your area, and then you are the cross-check on receivers, if that's your position, who are not in your area. Right. So it's a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys. And my guess is, look, Billy Napier laid it out when he took the job. He's like, if I can't sign 25 great players every year, you guys are going to be looking at another coach. So, obviously, he knows the recruiting apparatus is what it's going to take to get Florida to a championship level. Billy Napier, I think, is, is putting as much into recruiting as, as you can. And I'm sure the demands he puts on his staff are incredible. So if I've got a chance to go coach in the NFL, where I don't have to worry about any of that. If I'm Kerry Colbert, I sign, I join the Arizona Cardinal or the Denver Broncos, and I, I'm working with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, uh, and I don't have to send letters to DeAndre Hopkins and DJ Chark and any guy that might be available this, you know, Jacoby Myers. I just sit there and I coach my group and I look at the draft and the prospects in the draft and I, you know, I offer my input. Uh, I, I just think if, if you're an X's and O's coach, the recruiting component at the elite level of college football, it, it's, it's got to be suffocating. And I don't blame any of them for wanting to get out from under it. Now, again, if Kerry Colbert had gone to take the receiver's job at Baylor, I would be concerned. To me, that would say something about what is Billy Napier doing? Why does no one want to stay there? Uh, but if you're going to the NFL where it's a totally different world, I, I don't think that reflects poorly on any college program. Yeah, I think yesterday's news wasn't that big of a surprise between Tony and the tight ends coach because I- – they had been rumored to at least have been looking elsewhere before yesterday. The Kerry Colbert one, that one was a very big surprise, I think, to people who are paying attention. And so that's when you start to wonder, all right, this is a really good recruiter. How does Billy Napier really feel about this? And how is he going to be able to fill a guy in that role who's as good of a recruiter? Yeah, my concern, I agree with that. My concern, the reason this one was alarming to me is not because it was different, because it was the third. Because it's now three... Again, you only have nine, or maybe it's ten now. I think, I think it's up to ten now. Ten official assistant coaches. That's still 30% of them are now gone. I, I think that's the thing that probably surprised me the most, is that 30% of the coaches are now gone. And, uh, well, and, and they are all good recruiters. Yeah. Well, the D.C., he must have 
had some hand in that. Yeah. Any t- again, if a job gets filled within 12 hours, right. then obviously I don't think they were overly devastated to lose Patrick Tony. Right. It will be interesting to see how long it takes to fill the receiver's position right. vacated by Colbert. Uh, if it takes two weeks, again, they're getting ready to start spring practice. In nine days. Yeah. So, I mean, if it takes a while – then that will tell you this was a move that kind of blindsided Billy yeah, Napier. Yeah, there's a lot of good tr- – it's not like there's not good options. I think on three had a list of the options. Ike Hilliard, who's a terrific receivers coach, a former Gator. I don't know what kind of recruiter he is because he spent most of his time in the NFL. He's a recruiter coach in Washington – I mean, a receivers coach in Washington, recruiter, a receivers coach with the Steelers. Didn't he work at Auburn? He, most recently, recently Auburn. So, But I don't know how good a recruiter he was or wasn't because most of his time has been in the NFL. Well, if I was Ike Hilliard on a recruiting trip, yeah. all I would do is pop in that the stop one, and The start, one play. That's the one and play. And I'd be like, yeah. yeah. And you're coming. And you're, you're coming. <laughs> I, I know you were committed to Ohio State. You were down to Ohio State and Georgia. But you see that one play, you, you flip and you go to Florida. I totally agree with that. The uh, I was thinking – I thought the same thing. I had to have that one on my phone. Hey, you know what? Let me show you this. Okay. The um, – but, but I do, I think, uh, but I, my con- the only concern, I, the real concern I have, the real concern I have is, is it, are we, is there a reason they're leaving? And, and, and can you get recruit, get players? I told you this before. I've said this, and I'll stand by this. I am weirdly confident that they've got the right guy and that he's going to build it. The, the, the only guy, the only person, that, you know, can mess this up? Can I tell you the, the one person that can mess this up? Swamp Lizard 34. Because you know who Swamp Lizard 34 is? He's on Twitter. Isn't he? And if Swamp Lizard 34 and the 100 like him decide when they go 7 and 5 next year, right? <laughs> you, know, right? you know Swamp Lizard 34? Yeah. Okay. He's a bad guy. Bad guy. If it's Swamp Lizard 34 and all the people on the Gator Twitter, they used to be message board guys. Swamp Lizard 34 was on the message boards until social <laughs> came around. And then Swamp Lizard 34 moved over to Twitter. Yeah. At Swamp Lizard 34, you'll have a picture of him. You know, he's, he's an angry yeah. guy. There'll be a lot of F-bombs. You can always tell these guys because there's F-bombs in their tweets. You know the guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so There's plenty who are under 30 who are never on the message yeah, boards, yeah. but they think they yeah. are the kings of Twitter. But I think there's, I think there's probably some 30 to 40s on there, too. Uh, and so Real, Realistically, though, I think Florida is not going to make any move on Billy Napier for a minimum of at least two years and possibly wow. even three because yeah. the president just arrived. Yeah, the minimum He's not going to just can the, a coach the min- after the, a year. The minimum would be three. Here's the problem, and that's not just a Florida problem. Okay, next year they go seven and five, and it doesn't call timeout when he should have, and they lose a the game. Swamp loser 34, and his buddies decide he's not a good coach. And, and the narrative gets going. The narrative gets going. The, the narrative's out there. Then the narrative's out. And so now you're recruiting against the narrative. I tell fans this all the time. Pro football's different. But in college football, that narrative helps the other team recruit. You being mad at your coach and you getting all your buddies to be mad at the coach on social helps the other team recruit. It really does. Now, once you become Saban or or Kirby, or, or Spurrier or Urban when they're in Florida, people are going to love you no matter what. No one's ever going to run around you. Well, then that negative recruiting isn't in play. So, But, I, uh, but, but apart from Swamp Lizard 34, I really believe that I, I'm weirdly confident that he's going to build that roster. Now, so there's no chance that in three or four years they're a six or seven win team. There's no chance, in my opinion. Now, the question is, when they become nine or ten win team. Dan Mullen made that happen immediately. Can you recruit well enough to go from 10-win team to playoff participant to national champion? 
Mullen couldn't get there. Well, if they're a 10-win team, they'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, but I mean, yeah. can you go oh, – then let me say it differently. Can you go from what Mullen built to what Urban built? Right. Can you take the, can you take the next step? I don't think Dan Mullen could take the next step. And, and maybe, or maybe he could have, and he just, it just ended too abruptly that he didn't have a chance to. Well, if he had cared, yeah. it would have been different. That was certainly the belief. Yeah. But I, but so, so I think Billy Napier will get Florida to where Dan Mullen had them. Maybe not as quickly, but I think he'll get them there. The question is, will he be a good enough coach to take the next step? And, that's, and I think that's the question we'll be asking in a few years. Billy Napier has everything Kirby Smart has, right, as far as facilities, even probably a better location for recruits. Well, they're both very History good. History and but, tradition. But an, equal, an equally good location. Equally correct. good location. What does Kirby Smart have that – what did Kirby Smart inherit that Billy Napier well, didn't correct. inherit? Right. Any coach that goes to Florida or any coach that goes to LSU or any coach that goes to Alabama or any coach that goes to Georgia or any coach that goes to USC or Ohio State is going to have the built-in resources that any of his peers have. That's your point. That any co- Florida is in that, Hayes, we say it all the time, is there 10 schools, 12 schools, 8 schools that have resources as good? And again, it's Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma, USC, probably Florida State, maybe not quite as much money, but there's a Clemson, there's a handful, Ohio State, obviously, Michigan, there's, maybe it's 15, 16 schools, who once you get there, your resources you're, are as good as anybody's. Now, is your heritage is good? Texas A&M doesn't have the heritage. They got all the resources, but they don't have the heritage that Florida State's got. So when you combine resources and heritage, there's about, to your point, because it's a good one, Lauren, it's a good question. Are you going to have as good a resources as these other schools have? And I say yes. I can't think of one resource these other schools will have that you don't have. Can you? There's nothing. There's no. No, now, you may have to catch up. If Florida was behind in facilities, it took a few years to catch up. But I think you're going to have the resources. Are you going to know how to do it? And in the past, that X's and O's component was so important. That developmental component was so important. I think – I'm not saying it's less important now. I'm saying they're all good at it now. Now you've got to get the guys. This is for another segment, but did you guys see Scott Strickland talk about the $300 million renovation that they want to do to the Swamp? I did not. Yeah, did not so it's, it's, it's ambitious. It's, he, he even says it's arguably the biggest project in uh, – college athletics history well and, and we'll, later on in the program i want to get to that because uh, cause i think it's an important part of all this we'll see what winds up happening. when we come back to, i want to get to the nfl vance joseph is going to be the defensive coordinator with the denver broncos which i think is a fascinating story and i got a lot of thoughts on it good thoughts that's next stay with us i've never seen germany journey i've never seen journey i never have either. i'm looking forward to it Sunday night, they'll be in the arena. We'll be there. They had a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch them. That's, uh, was this a Ramada song? No, no, it wasn't. Would have worked. Yeah. Would have worked, but it wasn't. Yeah, this was like a song where it was like you're in seventh grade at the dance and yeah. you're like sweaty palms go up and ask the girl. If, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. This is a perfect song for that. Yeah. Uh, John just came over and said hello. Uh, I'm sorry, Jim. Jim just came over and said hello, long-time listener. And uh, Jim used to hang out at Julian Creek. I, and I met his son when he was – Nine or ten, he said. We we talked sports. He said, "Thanks for spending time with my son." I said, "How is he now?" He said, well, "You know, he said he said he said he's in high school. He's uh he's uh playing high school golf, pretty good. Um, he plays the guitar, and he's going to study engineering." I said, "You know what? He's got engineering to make the money. Mm-hmm. He's got golf to have fun, and he's got the guitar to get the girls. He's pretty much got it. You know, very well I mean, rounded." I, 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 w- I would say if there's a roadmap yeah, for life, that's pretty. I would say Jim's boy's on his way. 
I would say like I babysat him once a long time ago. So 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 now you so I mean right? I I influenced him. I mean clearly. If those you give me three things. Pretty much good shape, right? Well, in all seriousness, you've seen the movie The Matrix, right? Sure. Where they, all they've got to do is like put in a file, and all of a sudden you can mm-hmm. right, fly a helicopter, right? Right. Like if you literally could do that, like the one skill <laughs> that I would love to just be able to know how to do is like shred on the guitar. Absolutely, like, that would be ditto, unbelievable. Ditto. I was, I was not long, not long. About I four mean, four. I'm. I'm I'm dang sure not going to, you know, practice for years yeah. and years yeah. and years to well, be able to do well. it. So I need somebody to just put the file in. Well, I went and I took guitar lessons about four or five years ago um, from one of our clients. Who, uh, per, the, per, Dennis Clee, the person who does our open song, okay? And I, and I took lessons from him to try and learn. And I probably took seven or eight lessons. And then I practiced. I didn't practice enough. But it was amazing how bad I was at it. I just wasn't with the left, the left finger, left hand. I'm right-handed, but so the left hand uh, dexterity, I was terrible, and so it's not easy. No. Not, not that anyone thought it was easy, but the great guitarists, when they play that axe, they make it look so easy. Mm-hmm. But I was, it was amazing how I could be that bad. I was terrible at it. You I was horrendous. Have you ever played? My, it? my parents gave me a guitar when I was like 20, yeah. and I thought, here we go. You know, yeah. I'm I'm gonna be really good. I listen to a lot of music. Yeah, her dream had come true. <laughs> yeah, she was a folk singer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever tried it? Yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah, I was but I'm, I'm terrible with anything yeah, yeah. that has. I can't play a gazoo. Yeah, let alone a guitar. Well, but, but I thought, but I thought I in sports, I was always very coordinated. I was. I was a good a good hand eye coordination guy. So I just assumed I'd be good at that. I was, I was just terrible at it. And someone told me, you know, it takes a little talent to play guitar. I said, I found that out. Okay, I found that out very quick. Would you all be electric or acoustic guitar? Electric. Would, no, acoustic. That's okay. what I figured acoustic, y'all would sitting, be. Sitting around opposite. the campfire. Right. You're kidding me? I figured Hazel would be plugged into yeah. the amp. Yeah, I want to you know, come back as a 24-year-old single guy, long hair. I need a little more time <laughs> in the gym. And I want to sit by the campfire in Colorado. Okay. Have you it's thought about pretty this vivid. before? Okay. Yeah. Play these songs. You kidding me? And women everywhere. Is, yeah. is that the guy with that long hair and the guitar and the good mm-hmm. build? And he's playing. I want that guy. I want to be that guy. Now, the problem is I've got some ground to make up on, <laughs> on, on all fronts. Um, Vance Joseph is going back to be the defensive coordinator with the Broncos. He was the head coach there. I love the fact that he's going to do it. We all have these egos. And the fact that a guy that got fired as the head coach is willing to go back to the same team because he's a very good defensive coordinator. He did not turn out to be a great head coach. And I, I think it's a really cool thing that he's going to go back. I mean, you, I, mean I, I think Vance Joseph going back to be the, to be the defensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos, it, it speaks of humility and perspective. I'm not trying to overstate it, but I think it's a cool deal. I think it is a cool story. Now, it's new ownership, so it's not like he's going back to work for – the people that fired him before. I think that helps. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you don't often see it. And, uh, and obviously, I think for Vance Joseph, the chance to work with Sean Payton, um, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. And Denver's got a lot of talent. So uh, I'm sure, again, the Broncos owners have tons of money. So I'm sure Sean Payton was yeah. given – you know, whatever you need to pay your staff, we'll pay. So I bet you Vance Joseph's making incredible money to be the defensive coordinator for Denver. Uh, so I, I would think everything lined up, and it made it a much easier for him to say, yeah, you know, I didn't love how my head coaching tenure went here, right. but this is too good of an opportunity, and it's working for new people. Two things. Number one, my beautiful wife checked in and said, I sit around the campfire. <laughs> 
<laughs> to sit around the campfire, you'd have to be willing to go camping. Okay? <laughs> Suzanne, thank you for that. And it's a really, you know, that is a prerequisite that I'm not sure I'm willing oh, to. Oh, look, there goes Lawrence Phillips for Tommy Frazier <laughs> yeah. for 80 yards. I, that's it. what I needed to see I today. I see it. So, uh, We've said many a time I'm the only one of the three of us who will actually go camping. Yeah, so my wife made a good point. That would make it hard to sit around the campfire. He just broke his ninth Gators <laughs> tackle. They're, they're, How did they not bring him down but, on but they're showing they're showing here on whatever TV <laughs> station this is, the Tommy <laughs> Frazier. The Tommy Frazier run where he broke about eight tackles. Thank you for that. We we yeah. all just lost three assistant coaches. Now I got this on the tube. <laughs> right. Um, but back to Van Josephs for a second. You know, Lauren, one part. One. Oh, part I of, get to see it again. How many times they going to show oh. it? Uh, one part of one of one part of this is he also wants to coach again. And if he crushes it, to Hayes' point, makes a lot of money. He's with a r- great head coach who's probably going to win because he always wins. It could be your ticket back to being a head coach again. I think that's why. I mean, Todd Bowles got a chance to do it again by being a defensive coordinator on a team with a really good offense. Anytime you're fired as a head coach, it's going to take some really good things to happen for you to be another head coach in the NFL. Very few fired head coaches get another opportunity unless they were very successful and all of a sudden things didn't go according to plan. But usually once you're fired as a head coach, you're not getting that opportunity again. And so I think you have to embrace, all right, I'm going to be a coordinator. We've seen former NFL head coaches not even be coordinators. They've had to take jobs even lower than that. So I think also if if it helps you, you can think about it like this if you're Vance Joseph. You beat out Rex Ryan and you beat out Matt Patricia. So you can can boost your ego up. Yeah, and and, and believe me, plenty of fired head coaches immediately take the coordinator job. It's just they rarely do it where they were the head coach. Right. Um, I mean, I can tell you, I thought a lot of times – would Gus Bradley coming back here as a coordinator make sense? I think he's a very good coordinator, but I can't. But I don't know if his, as his friend, which I am, if I could say go do it. You know what I mean? Well, I, and again, it's same ownership. Yeah, right. I think it's hard. I That's think a good point. I, I think if I think if a guy has looked you in the eye and said you're fired, to then ever come back and work for the same guy, yeah, I think would be awfully difficult. Even, even though, in that one specific case, I don't think Gus and Shot ever quit being close. They, oh, yeah. they had a great relationship. Yeah. But, but, you, but generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and so in this case, Vance Joseph's not having to do that. He's never, yeah, I would assume, doesn't really know the Walton family. I mean, right. they just became the owners of the Broncos within the last year. So uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of, you know, it's, a, it's almost a blank slate in terms of, you know, the people that – are still working for the franchise that were there when he got fired, I believe, in 2018. Right. So there's been a pretty good amount of time that's that's passed. There'll be some, you know, media that were that was certainly there when he was the head coach, but he's not going to have to really deal with, you know, media all that often. He'll do media once a week in the regular season. Yeah. He's a good coach. That's the other yeah. thing. So he, he can wind up being a coach again. Uh, Denver's going to be interesting because I'm the one person that doesn't think all of a sudden Russell Wilson's terrible. Obviously, he, was, he, was, he wasn't very good this past year, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks. And he faded a little bit the year before, even though his numbers were pretty good. But I, I, I don't believe at 34 years old he's done. I, I, and I might be wrong. I might be in denial because he's been one of my kind of favorite players. But I don't think he's done. And now here comes Sean Payton. Now here comes that great receiving core. And now here comes a really good defensive coordinator. For a defense, it was pretty good. Pretty good personnel on that defense. I don't know how many of those guys are back, but a pretty good. I think most of them. Yeah, I do too. And so, so I, I, I find myself intrigued with Denver, what they might be right out of the gate. I mean, to, Doug Peterson got to a team that was so bad they had the first pick overall back-to-back years, and because he was so good, they made the final eight. 
boom. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a real jump from the Broncos. I mean, they, they need to because the expectations are going to be really high based off of Russell Wilson's contract and based off of Sean Payton getting there. The thing that w- certainly makes you nervous if you're a Broncos fan is they're not going to be able to add anyone to this team in the first or second rounds. They don't have those picks. And so how are they going to make that jump? If you're putting all your eggs in the Sean Payton basket, well, certainly then, then you're hopeful. I'm still skeptical. I was super high on them a season ago. I'm, I'm skeptical now. Well, and Sean Payton has something to deal with that Doug Peterson didn't, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's going to be uh, a massive. And to, to a lower Chargers. extent, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's to me the degree of difficulty is much steeper uh, for Sean Payton in Denver than, uh, than, it, than for Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. But I am intrigued by Denver. I, I don't think that they'll be as bad as they've been, but I also don't think that they'll be good enough to, uh, to win that division. Could they contend for the seven seed? You know, maybe. I, I probably won't have them making the playoffs uh, because I just can't believe yeah, can't that today so much of their struggles was Nathaniel Hackett, who certainly knew what a head coach should look like in yeah. the NFL. I mean, it's not like Nathaniel Hackett had been a college coach, had no inkling of the NFL. That's right. I mean, he should have had some idea of how it works. So, obviously, it was a failure. But I don't know if it was the gargantuan failure where now Sean Payton comes in and it's a total 180 like it was with Doug Peterson replacing the clueless Urban Meyer. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, let's keep it on the NFL. The darkness has ended for Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about that. Got some other stuff coming up in a bit. Stay with us. Carline, you're holding up the you're holding up your cell phone for this, aren't you? With the light on it. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the light goes on. The light the light goes up here. This one, it for this song. The light's got to go on. I was just thinking how perfectly dark and darkness what you teased was, yeah, yeah, was yeah. going together. How about that? But you got you got to hold it up. I think so. Yeah. I mean. I mean the light, the light, by the way, I've never been a smoker. <laughs> Therefore, I've never had lighters. Lighters were better. I would lighter, Lighters were better. They were, yeah. I mean, I've been with a lot of concerts with lighters. I never knew in my life that many people smoked, because I've never, but, but lighters were better. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. There's something, I, more, there's something more I will say organic about the lighter. It's cool what they do at the Swamp now with the uh, I Won't Back Down. Right. Because, because people use their phones, there's an app you can get where once you get the app, and you have your phone up, it'll let your light will actually like Looks radiate like to the beat. So ah. it's so the whole stadium. That's it's not cool. just the light. It's like the it's like a light show because everybody's got the. I app. love that. It's fantastic. So you do get that okay. benefit, um, but obviously you're not probably going to have that at a concert. Journey so needs it, the app. It won't be that. <laughs> Journey needs the app. <laughs> yeah. but Come it, on, Journey. I know yeah. you're new school. Yeah. So there you go. Darkness. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's got a song and album called Darkness on the Edge of Town. Did you know that? I did not. Yes, he does. It's one of his legendary albums. So actually, probably about the fourth best, if I'm being honest. Um, so, so Aaron Rodgers has emerged. What have we learned? Anything? Any any other opinions? We've learned he's weird. He's, we, we knew that when he went yeah, into the that's dark. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I mean, who knows? I, I is he the key to this whole quarterback thing? Without a doubt. I mean, he, I mean, the domino. He's the key struck. to the NFL offseason. Well, he really is. But but no question. But specifically to the quarterback thing. No, it's almost like no dominoes can fall until he does he does or doesn't do what he's going to do or of not course. do. Right? No, well, do, no, do, and it and it really is a domino thing now, isn't it? Well, and it's like again, if you're the Jets, if you're the Saints, you have an interesting car. 
but you can't sign Derek Carr if the Packers might in a week call and offer Aaron Rodgers for a second-round pick. I mean, you just can't do it. So it, nothing is going to happen until and, – and there's, you know, there's people saying, well, the Jets should go ahead and sign Derek Carr. Now, it, it, you can't do that. Not if you might be able to get Aaron Rodgers. There is a three-and-a-half win difference between those two players. If the Jets get Derek Carr, they might win 10 games. If the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, they might win 13 games. Uh, so it, you just you, you have to wait. And, and so until Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure it's going to come from him, uh, until Aaron Rodgers with Pat yeah, gets on with Pat McAfee <laughs> and says, uh, I'm going to stay in Green Bay, everything is at a standstill, I think. I mean, I, I just I couldn't justify signing Derek Carr if I thought there was a chance I might be able to get Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think... And if you lose out on Derek Carr, you lose out on Derek Carr. Right. That's how I would look at it. I think the Saints could make a move for Derek Carr at this point because I I don't think there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers is going to the Saints. I don't think there's a chance he's going to New Orleans. So I don't think they could be blamed for making a move now. If they think we can get Derek Carr before the Jets do because the Jets are waiting on Aaron Rodgers, I don't think New Orleans could be blamed for that. But I think Aaron Rodgers is staying put. You hear more and more that as long as he's focused and all in, then Green Bay wants him. I think both parties know that it's best for them, for legacy purposes, for Aaron Rodgers to have always been a Packer. I think the whole Brett Favre thing didn't go exactly how Green Bay wanted it to go, the end of that. So I think he's still a Packer. So I think the rest of the teams are just going to have to figure it out from there. All right. As you look at the guys who are really out, who quarterbacks who are free agents as we speak. Now, Lamar Jackson, I think Daniel Jones is probably going to resign, don't you? Yeah, the Giants are going to keep. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley from reports that I saw today. You would think, right? So, so Daniel Jones probably stays put. I, I, I agree. I think Lamar Jackson's going to be on the, on the Ravens. I, I think you could talk, we could spend a lot of time, I think, waste time talking about where does he fit, but I think he's probably going to be on the, he's probably going to be on the Ravens. Should we talk about Tom Brady? Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady might come back, but I'm going to bypass for now because he says he's not. The guys who we expect to play, Rodgers, and I don't have any order on this, Rodgers, Garoppolo, Derek Carr, um, Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, although I think he's going back too. Are those the key guys? I mean, Minshew and Bridgewater are in play, but I don't think they're necessarily starting for somebody. So I got Rodgers, Garoppolo, Carr. I think that's the list. Is it even is In me, terms of guys that there's a realistic chance could, could switch teams. Does Baker Mayfield go start somewhere? I don't think so. You know, what do you think? Not a chance. No, not a chance. Nowhere. He had a second chance. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. I, you know, I, okay. I don't see it. But again, there's going to be a team that is going to lose out on those three free aid, well, right? Three free potential free agents. Geno and, Smith uh, stays put, probably. Yeah. I would think. Yes, um, I would think so. Too. I think Geno Smith and, and, and Daniel Jones stay put. Carson Wentz, what happens with him? I don't think he's going to get a, a starting job. I think he might get signed as a backup. Uh, yeah, insurance policy compete. You know, but probably going to be the backup and there's nobody else is there there's i mean nobody cares I mean, about i don't think Jameis winston i don't either I, you know, what, what, what is his situation he's a free agent mm-hmm. he is a free agent um, so okay. i mean but and the saints aren't aren't interested in bringing him back andy so. dalton's 35 yeah. bridgewater is evolved into a backup don't i mean you, think? He, he's, you know he's I, 30 if i was desperate i'd listen if matt ryan wanted to still play yeah he'll be released so he'll be a free agent um 
you know, if obviously he wouldn't be at the top of my list, but if I was drafting, you know, too far down to get one of the uh, to get either Young or Stroud, uh, and uh, and I wasn't able to get a trade for Rodgers or sign Garoppolo or Carr, maybe Matt Ryan would I you know consider, but. It's it's pretty slim picking. Yeah, so those are the three. And Matt Ryan, there's word that he might want to start his broadcasting broadcast, career. Because yeah. right. he'll probably be pretty good. He's, the Saints seem to be, I think, in the worst position of everyone because right. they don't have a high pick in the first round. Well, the interesting thing is if Rodgers stays put, right. then is it as simple as Carr to the Jets and Garoppolo to the Saints? Because or Garoppolo two, to the Raiders. Or, or Garoppolo to the Raiders. I mean, I mean, it, that's what gets interesting. Um and by the way, the Bucks now say it's Kyle Trask's job, which I think is phenomenal, by the way. But, boy, that came out of nowhere. This was an invisible draft pick. But I love it, I think. I mean, number one, I'm a, I'm a fan of Kyle Trask. I mean, he's a Gator guy, but I really like him. Is, do you believe that they're, 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 they're bluffing here because they're going to make a run at one of these guys? Or do you th- think it's his job? I, I think there's a little bit of it's a bluff. And I think they also want to give him some confidence yeah. uh, and show support. Um, he's the only guy I believe they have under contract in the room. Because so, Gabbard's a free agent. Yeah. So I think that I think part of it is, you know, we've only got one guy under contract and we want to talk up that player. And the franchise made a fairly significant investment in him in the draft with taking him in the second round. So um, I, I, I don't think that's the ideal for Tampa Bay. Uh, and as much as I would advocate for Tampa Bay to tank and get Caleb Williams, yeah. that's not what they're doing. Right. I mean, so if uh, I would think Kyle Trask is only the starter uh, if they are not able to get uh, somebody in the free agent pool that they would deem to be better. But if I was Tampa, I would give Kyle Trask the job. I'll, I'll, because like I've said, you've, to me, you've, there, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Either he's terrible. Yeah. And you get right in the mix for Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever else ends up being in the quarterback class. Maybe somebody has – maybe Graham Mertz throws for 47 touchdowns and, you know, gets in the mix <laughs> right. for being the third pick in the draft. Right. But so either if you're Tampa Bay, you go with Trask and he bombs, but now maybe you really do get a difference maker high in the draft, or you play him and you're very competitive in a bad division. Maybe you win it again. Right. And maybe you found something in Kyle Trask. And, and let me point this out now. We've lost sight of this somehow. Shame on us Gator homers we are. In his last year in college, in a shortened season where he didn't have as many games, playing in the best conference in America and all conference games. Okay? So every game he played was against a conference team. He threw 43 touchdowns and eight picks. He was phenomenal. He was 43-8 and eight, touchdowns to interceptions for 4, 000, over 4,000 yards in only 12 games. A 4,000-yard season in 12 games, 43 touchdowns and 8 picks. Yes, he had Kyle Pitts, who was an amazing receiver, but it's not like he had a litany of them, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like there's NFL receivers up and down that roster. He beat Georgia. He, he damn near beat Alabama which might have been as good a team as Saban had in that run, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he completed 69%. Let me give you that last year. 69% playing against all SEC teams, 
in only 12 total games, that includes a bowl and an SEC championship game, 4,283 yards, 43 touchdowns and eight picks. But it's almost like we forgot that. What an, and he's 6'5 and a half, 230. We're not talking about a little guy. He's got a good arm, not a great arm. He was really good that year. And don't you have to believe that playing – in the same yes. you know, room as Tom Brady for, for two years, yes. that something had to rub off? For, particularly for a guy who something would rub off on. He's a guy, he is a guy, he is a studious guy. I mean, it's almost like we forgot how good he was. I've been an advocate for him to get a chance. As soon as Tom Brady announced that he was going to retire last year, I thought, all right, here we go. Kyle Trask at the helm. He's going to be able to take over a system that obviously was not built for a mobile quarterback because – Tom Brady is the most in-the-pocket quarterback. But here's why I think, as much as I think he could be, I think he will be successful if he gets a chance. But here's the reason the Bucks are going with Kyle Trask and, and not with a different free agent. When you scroll through the salary cap teams yeah. that, are, that have a lot of money and the teams that don't, Tampa Bay is 32nd with yeah. minus 55 million. Good point. They have issues because they signed Tom Brady several years ago, and so they and don't they, have any money. And they moved money. Right. Anytime you move money forward, at some point it gets you. Right. That's and so that's, that's the reason I think he but, will start for them. But I'm just telling you. I, but I, I also think he will be good, not yeah, just yeah. And okay. I don't know. And I don't know how good he'll be as a pro, but, but that college season was ridiculous. We, we lose, again, against all SEC teams. That's a year you played both Georgia and Alabama. You know, he hung, by the way, he hung 46 on Nick Saban. He hung what they the forty two on on Kirby something like that. Let me find a, find, let me find out the nineteen. That was the wheel route game. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm clear, clear, curious. That was the wheel route game. That was glorious. Yeah. Um. What what, what was the score there? I don't know. It feels like it was twelve years ago. <laughs> All I know is it was fourteen nothing before they could blink. It was forty four twenty eight. Okay. He hung. I mean, think about it now. This guy hung forty four on. He hung 44 on Kirby, and he hung 46 on Nick. 43 touchdowns, 8 picks, 70% completion percentage. Threw for over 4,000 yards in only 12 games. But don't, don't you feel like we, the minute the season ended, we forgot? Doesn't it feel like maybe it's because he went to the place where Brady was, and anywhere Brady went, anybody else was going to be invisible? But the, Am I overstating that? Well, and I think the fact bit? that he never beat out Blaine Gabbard, so, which is, you know, I mean, yeah. since – we obviously right. are very familiar with his game. Right. I think good that point. was sort good of point. like a, well, why can't he beat out Blaine Gabbert? Right. If he's but Gabbert looks good in practice. Yeah. But Hayes' point's right, though. <laughs> no, I know. But, but Hayes' point is correct. Why would we, if, we've never, if he never beat him out? Right. But I, I hear you. In term, but you're answering my question correctly. Why are we not talking more about him? You gave the answer. Is that? Yeah, and, and they said at practice reports, like, it wasn't, Kyle Chesk wasn't shining or anything like that. But, Frank, also in the 2020 season, we kind of said those numbers were skewed because there wasn't as much of the, I guess, preseason camp yeah, because yeah. of COVID and everything. So we said, oh, well, defense was just yeah. awful in 2020. So I think that we, we kind of looked at those numbers by saying – or the trust numbers yeah. and said, well, it, he yeah. was going against defenses that weren't yeah. prepared. And Mullen, for, for everything Dan Mullen wasn't, a magnificent play caller and, and, all, and quarterbacks coach, and he was out coaching some guys. Anyway, just an amazing year. Uh, I'm glad he got the job. At least for now, it'll be fun to see how he does. I want to go back now to the Brandon Miller situation. We'll take a break. Sports and Courts is next. Our friend uh, Brett Hastings is going to join us. What l- legally, what should Alabama do, not do? What are the ways to handle this thing? It's a very interesting situation. We have one of these. We bring on uh, Brett for Sports and Courts. That's next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. 
Now time for Sports and Courts, legal issues in the sports world with Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. Hit back with Hastings. Our legal analyst is uh, Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. Uh, a quick Sports and Courts here. We caught him off guard a little bit. Brett, thanks for joining us. Uh, you no doubt have followed this Brandon Miller story as we all have. Um, for, from from 10,000 feet before we get into the weeds here, what did you make of the whole story? What happened here? How culpable he was? The fact that Alabama didn't suspend him? What's your legal opinion on all of this? You know, I don't think he's going to end up being prosecuted, obviously, in any way, shape, or form. You know, this murder, horrible, right? We, we, we lost this young woman uh, January the 15th. So at this point, we're nearing three months that the investigation is, is gone on. And really, at the end of the day, if you brought somebody a gun, the key issue is intent. Did you know that you were bringing a gun so that it could be used in the commission of a crime? At this point, they've probably been able to get cell phones, text messages, know all those things, take statements of everybody involved. And it appears at this point that the investigation has shown that in no way, shape, or form did he know that, hey, I'm bringing the gun so that he was going to go and kill anybody or really do anything in any way, shape, or form that would be criminal, right? To bring somebody's property or to let somebody have access to their property without the specific intent to know that that's going to be used in a crime, there's nothing that you could prosecute him for criminally. So it's all about intent. It sounds like at this point, they don't have any um, evidence to show that there was any intent on his behalf to, to aid or assist in a crime. And, Brett, how different is it, too, that the gun was actually already in the vehicle that he was driving, so it's not like he at any point in time handled the weapon? Right. I, I don't think – I think all that's immaterial. It all comes down to intent, you know? Okay. So, so, so that's the bottom line. If he didn't intend to bring a gun and didn't bring a gun, then, then, then people jumped to way too many conclusions. If you were, if you were his attorney – would you pursue some action, or would you just say, hey, we're happy, he's playing, let's get out of it? Where, where, where would you be on this right, right now? I would just try to move forward and, and you know, get out of there. Um, you know, and, and to the extent of, you know, it appears that he's been cooperative, right? Well, you would sit down, want to know everything about all that evidence. I would want to see every text. I would want to know what was going on and in, in all in, in, with all of that. I would get out in front of it. I would talk to you know, the uh, the detectives, the investigators, I would try to listen to them to see what they knew. I'd go back and talk to the client, and then he, he, he hadn't done anything wrong. I'd have him cooperate, and then, you know, for him in the long term, I think, you know, the more time or distance that he could put through this would really, you know, matter and, and show some remorse, you know. I can't fathom that this teammate who was a close friend enough that, you know, he'd have a gun in his car or whatever, that he wouldn't know this young lady, that you wouldn't be really remorseful that, you know, to hear that all of those things happen. So be a human being, show some empathy. Uh, but, you know, the reality uh, would be that you'd really want to know, is there any evidence uh, that, that demonstrates intent? Brett, I'm curious about this in relation to somewhat like double jeopardy. The state attorney has come out and said that, Miller had nothing to do with this if let's just hypothetically say and it can be any case but let's say hypothetically the state attorney comes out that strongly of this person is not a suspect this person had nothing to do with it this person will not be charged and then something came to light later 
is it virtually impossible at that point to bring charges because you've already publicly exonerated them? Um, I think the only thing that would change is if somebody lied to law enforcement, uh, if you tried to you know, hide the fact that something had happened, right, and they had relied on it at that point, there would be criminal charges that you would be able to bring back, you know, at that point in time. But, you know, uh, I can tell you, having been a former prosecutor, they also, you know, they want to say that they treat every single case the same. You know, that's not the truth. They're in the state of Alabama. There's nothing bigger than Alabama athletics. So there's been, you know, a heightened level of investigation, thought, all of those things that go around the case. So I just think that at the point that they said, hey, you know, they're, they really had done probably everything and feel very strongly and feel very secure in the fact that there isn't any evidence as it relates to intent once they came out and said that. So, All right, final, final yeah. thing, Brett, and we'll let you go, but a final thing now. You are a combination of very good attorney and diehard sports fan, okay? So you, so you know this. That's why, that's why you do this with us. In your, as you look back at everything now, did Alabama do anything wrong by continuing to play him? By NATO saying what he said, have you found just it's combine your sports fan knowledge and your legal knowledge, and did did anybody err in how they've handled this once it was over? I don't believe so. I mean, I, I would assume that the evidence is really pretty strong that he had no idea what was going to happen or go on with the gun. Right? I'm sure they're not happy that these guys have guns there on the campus or any of those other issues. It really come down to the character of the young man. I think, you know, is he a good guy? Has he been straightforward? Was he immediately cooperative? Was he immediately straightforward? You know, and, and, and answering the questions and letting them know it. I thought Nate Oates co- uh, comments the other day were in, in not really good taste. Uh, you know, what I think it happened was, Back in January, there was probably a whole bunch of analysis. There were a bunch of discussions. They were talking within the athletic department, with the university's general counsel, with law enforcement and everything. And in some ways, I almost got the sense like they thought they had moved on from that. And then I thought it put everybody in a worse place, right? Because there wasn't a lot of empathy in the, in the press conference. But I would think that there probably is relatively strong evidence to show that he did not have intent as it relates to it. So then I think it's okay or whatever if he goes and plays forward. I just was I was personally disappointed. There was a young woman lost. She was right, murdered, right. right? And to to talk about it and to act that way is what I thought was ridiculous. And that's different from the decision as to whether or not he would play. But you know, when you go and I think they've given him a mandate, you don't talk about it or try to keep him away from everything, right? And so now Nate Oates is kind of going out and talking for him. I just thought that was really, really, that was unfortunate. That was poorly done. I'd give Alabama an F for that. All right, Brett Hastings checking in. That is Sports and Courts. He does a great job from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. Brett, thanks, man, on short notice. We appreciate it. You got it. Take care. All right. And, yeah, Nate Oates, I think, to his credit, came back the next day and said, listen, the way it came out has what I should have said. We do care about uh, a, a, a young, beautiful life that we lost. And, and I'm glad he said this. All right, interesting. Maybe now the story goes away. I won't. Do you sense it is almost going away? I don't think so. You, what about you? I think as long as nothing else comes out, yeah, I, I think we're we're heading in the yeah. direction that Alabama's going to say we've answered all the questions. Let's move on. Yeah, maybe go going away is too strong because again, it didn't go away. A woman lost her life, but I think conversation about it. My my opinion is there will be less conversation about it. 
now that we know his side of it. I think I think knowing his side of it in my mind will will less people fewer and I may be wrong, but fewer people remember now. This is going to be a very highly visible team. This is a team that's that's not only going to the NCAA tournament, probably a one seed, could possibly be the one overall seed, and that's a team that regardless of the circumstance, would get more attention than anybody else in the tournament. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think it's going to be really intriguing from a media standpoint how they're treated, you know, particularly once you get – I mean, we know when you go on the road, he's going to get heckled, you know, beyond all belief. Yeah. Uh, I will be interested in seeing at the NCAA tournament venues uh, what kind of crowd Alabama sees. Yeah. I would imagine they travel great for basketball. Uh, because they've spent $8.9 million as individuals <laughs> going to all the national championship games in football. Um, but uh, so, and they're, to your point, they're going to be a heavy favorite. You tend to get booed anyway when you're the favorite at these venues. That's right. uh, but is it, it, is, it, is it a spotlight that just doesn't go away the entire time Alabama is in the tournament? My guess is it's not. It's something that is going to be – uh, it is going to be a storyline as long as Alabama's season is still going. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back to football, you know what I'm going to give you? And I don't do this always, but I'm going to do it because I'm feeling charitable. You know what I'm giving you? Lindy's? Betting lines. Oh, all right. What about betting lines? I was thinking you were going to hand me a this. Lindy's. Yeah, we well, haven't even gotten to yeah. spring practice Oh, yet. you ready for that? <laughs> Lindy's enough. I'm going to give you betting lines. That and a whole lot more. One hour to go. We're live at Island Wing Company, Bartram. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Journey today on Old Rock Thursday. Journey is in town. You know they're arguing. You see, they're kind of arguing. I did, I did. That's uh, that's good. That means they'll play better. Yeah, yeah. Just don't argue with each other when we for, until don't break up before Sunday. Yeah, it's my only ask. So there is that. Have y'all looked at the set list? I haven't, I haven't yet. Yeah, I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Interesting. That, well, that's going, that's going around on our group text. You saw the the group text. Yeah, I think they were. They I were. haven't looked yet. I uh, you know I, I I will say like it's uh, you know it's it's. Things are kind of sneaking up on me. Yeah. Like, it feels this strange that we're going to the combine in, like, three days. Yeah, it happened <laughs> fast. I agree. I totally agree with that. It all, it all, the whole you thing You ever been planning what you're going to wear yeah. to the combine for weeks? <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, well, it's funny you said that. I've decided. Okay. Yeah. Um, some pants and a shirt and probably a quarter zip if it's cold. And I'm taking a big jacket because it's in the 20s. How'd I do? I think that's smart. That's uh, my plan. Yeah. I have a plan. Okay. There you go. Carline will show up. It'll be 18 degrees. He'll have on his tank top, you know, <laughs> and his jorts. He'll say, you know, I was going to bring a jacket. I was going to bring my windbreaker, but I decided not to. Does so it get cold in Indiana <laughs> in February? Who knew? So the good news is on Tuesday we fly in. It's a high of 53. Oh, balmy. You, you, you know what? I'm going to try and get in a round of golf. <laughs> Wednesday, high of 59. Thursday, high of 61. Oh, we so fly out Friday. The lows are in the 30s. Oh, that's fine. That's so, great. yeah. yeah it, you think it I'm could kidding. be way Carline worse. Carline might not bring a jacket, okay, for that. Yeah, I probably he, he won't. <laughs> um, you like betting lines? Love betting lines. Okay. Let's, let's make this some money. FSU, LSU is the first. I'm going to give you betting lines okay. from college. Now, you haven't seen these yet. I have not. You have seen them, right? Lawrence? I have. Seen them. Okay, so let's see how close you get on these, Hayes. Um, I'm a wild gambler. Florida State, LSU, in Orlando. Give me a line. Boy. 
Knowles by two. Given a point. You're very yeah, close. Wow. Uh, where you, how are you playing that one? I'd take FSU. Okay, FSU, FSU's given a point. I'd uh, take LSU. What about you, Frank? I would probably take the Knowles in that okay. game. I'm, again, I was like the, the spokesman. I can't get off That's now. That's true. Jaden Daniels back, I think, brings an <laughs> yeah. element of intrigue. Yeah, me too. Um, Alabama, Texas. I need a line, and I need it now. I don't know much about Texas, so I'll say. Quinn Ewers. You know Quinn Ewers. He's done nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he, yeah. he hasn't helped to hurt me. Right. So I, I've got, I'm, okay. Honestly, I don't know much okay. other than he's been hyped. Um, I'll say Alabama. This game is in Tuscaloosa, correct? Didn't yeah. Yes. That is correct. Texas Alabama almost, almost lost at yeah. Texas Austin. last season. Alabama by 16. Okay. The number is nine and a half. Um, I'm going to need Kevin Kaplan's help. Because I will pull a hamstring <laughs> racing to the window to lay that, yeah, to right, lay that yeah, nine absolutely. and a half, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, I'm laying that nine and a. In yeah, a, I thought it was so more basically like two touchdowns. They're saying I saw that it. if Alabama was going to Texas, it'd be basically a pick'em game. Uh, wow, yeah, how about that? Yeah. Uh, or a six point. I mean, you give three and a half. Um, well, but it'd be so a twelve point kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Texas A&M at Miami. Texas A&M at Miami. Yeah. I'll say A&M by. Five. Very nice. Four and a four and a hook. Um, where are you going? A and M. A and M. Leave it. Where, where are you going? A&M. I'm going. Uh, even at Miami, I'm going A and M. I'm laying, I'm laying the four and a half as well. The Vols at Florida. I would say. Gosh, it's hard to say Tennessee, but I guess they'd have to be favored. Tennessee by. Two. Six and a half. That's way too What high. are you doing? I take Florida. What are you doing? Taking Florida. I don't know what I'm doing in that one. I, I, I don't. If I had to bet it today, I'm probably laying the six and a half, even I, though it was closer than that last year in Knoxville. I'm saying that. Wait, but you're the spokesman for Graham Mertz. I am. I, am. <laughs> I will well, say. No, no. But I, I think they're going to lose 50 to 40. <laughs> okay. That stadium, at least last year, yeah. has its fastball back. Yep. Going into the swamp is a snake pit. And so that's the only thing that the reason I take Florida. And the only thing we have going for us. And (laughs) and it's really, to be honest, well, that's true. And uh, the the other thing is it's not a great, like, that's really Florida's only. Last year there was some pretty good home games that were, like, right next to each other. So you had to kind of ask yourself, is the crowd going to be as good? Tennessee kind of stands on an island for a while. It's basically the Tennessee game and the FSU game. And they're – Two months apart, so I think I think the swamp will be incredible yeah. for that game. So uh, I'll take Florida. I mean, I don't know that Florida wins, but I would certainly right. take Florida. And you said six and a half. Mm-hmm. Six and a half. I take Florida. It's getting six, six and, and a half. half at home. And my guess is, by the time they play, unless Florida really lays an egg before, and that number will be smaller than that. that. That's another one of those games where I, I mean, you look at last year. I, Florida di- played them pretty. I mean, right. they had to go for it a bunch on fourth down. But the truth mm-hmm. of the matter, but it was a pretty close game, and it was in Knoxville and. Florida, you would think, should at least be somewhat what they were last year. And, yeah. and Tennessee does have to replace some really good offensive players. Yeah, absolutely. Not just Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt as well. Hyatt and as well. Tillman. Hyatt. And Cedric Tillman, yeah. yep. Clemson at home against the Knowles. What's the line? And, where, and, I'll, and I'll give it to you. What's the line? What's your guess? Cool. Clemson by two and a half. Three. You're very good. Um, where, are you, where are you going? 
I think I'm going to take FSU. Yeah. yeah okay. what are you, where are you going? FSU. You know I cannot stand Clay, Cade Club. No, nah, he's my favorite guy. You know, yeah, I'm going against my he's favorite. dead to me. I'll probably have to take the Clemson stickers off the car <laughs> that Donna Murphy gave me. But, but, but I'm going, it was one of the happiest days of my life. But I'm probably going, I'm going with the Knowles, too. Um, hang on. What else is good here? How about, oh, I got one. How about the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Give me a number. I'm going to say Georgia. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Georgia's favorite in that <laughs> game. Okay, you're and I'm going to say the line is 27 and a half. <laughs> it's not 27 and a half, but it is 17 and a half. I wouldn't. I'd take Where, Georgia. Would you, would you lay 17 and a half not, right now not knowing anything? Absolutely. Would you? Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't lay 17 and a half. I think. I, I would, I would, I would. If I had to play that one, I would take the Gators in that, not to win the game, but the seventeen and a half. All right, let's see if I can, let's find one more for you. USC at Notre Dame. Yeah, all right, uh, I, I haven't seen that one yet. So. Okay, USC at Notre Dame. All right, I'm going to guess USC is seven or eight. Is that a November game or an early game? It, I'm uh, sorry, I, I didn't know you. If, if you had it because the weather could impact it. Do not uh, apologize. October fourteenth, and it's in South Bend. That is correct. I'll say USC is a four-point favorite. Yeah, you're closer. It's three. I would have yep. guessed. I would have guessed seven or eight. Yep. USC um, by three. I'm laying know. those points. I'm laying those points. I, I probably yeah. I'd probably take. I don't know though. USC's got to prove to me they're not tough. Right. They've got a brilliant quarterback. Yep. I mean he is unbelievable. But there's a toughness missing with that program yeah. right now. Now right. maybe well, Lincoln will. Riley in year two solves well, that. Well, you talk. And I think Notre Dame's tough. Yeah. So I don't know that. Yeah. You know, I, I might. T- I think at home, I'd probably. I might. I might take Notre Dame in the, in the points. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I, I, I can tell you this, for me, I am. I am absolutely, um, thinking that Notre Dame is probably going to lose, miss Tommy Reese. I think Tommy Reese is really good. I, mean, I, think, I think. I think he's really good. The offensive coordinator. Yeah, and he's going to Alabama, but I th- Notre Dame is tough. And, they, and I was really impressed with them in the Gator Bowl. I was really impressed with how they went about their business and how they played in the game. But uh, I was I'm not sorry. impressed with how USC played against Utah in the championship game and against Tulane. Tulane. Yeah. But Michael Pratt is really good. So yeah. good that he wanted to stay at Tulane and not come to Gainesville. By the way, I, Matt Hayes wrote a great story on Saturday Night South. I knew that they had talked to Pratt and they thought they had a deal. And, and that he decided to stay Tulane. I did not know, according to Matt, it came right down to the wire, the 11th hour. I did not know that. I knew that he was their first choice and that he at some point decided he wasn't leaving Tulane. But I did not, and, and I don't know, but I, but I thought. That's just so embarrassing for Florida. Yeah. The, well, it's not really. I mean, the I, guys, think, I think it's embarrassing. The guy wants to stay <laughs> in the school where he's been three years. Nah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Tulane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, so, but I, but I did not know it came that close. Right, there's some betting lines, interesting stuff. I'll say this: um, the intriguing thing to me, and I've said it before about college football this upcoming season, is that all, not all, a high percentage of the highly expected the teams, and I said this yesterday in the program a couple of days ago, the teams expected to be very good, all have new quarterbacks. I mean, if you think about the fact that Alabama. Georgia, Ohio State, those are the three teams that have been the best in college football. 
have new quarterbacks. Clemson pretty much has a new quarterback. He played a little at the end, but he, but they He's all terrible. Yeah, they are, they all have new quarter. They all have new quarterbacks. If you think about it, so you really don't know. You know, you really. I mean, if, if the teams that are have been the best teams in college football all have new quarterbacks, who knows how they're going to do? You know, I mean, they all have. Again, Georgia's got Georgia will be good because they have so many good players. But I, I don't know what's going to happen at that quarterback spot. I, I hope Carson Beck wins the job just because he's a guy from here, but I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, look, there's certainly uncertainty. This is still amateur athletics technically. And, you know, there there are certainly numerous examples of quarterbacks that did not live up to the hype. I mean, just go back a couple years ago, Spencer Radler at Oklahoma. A lot of people believed after the Cotton Bowl dissection of the Gators that you know he was going to win the Heisman and win it comfortably, and he had a terrible year. He got benched and ended up having to transfer to South Carolina, um, where ironically he got crushed by Florida. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, it's not nothing is ever a given. I mean, it, it, the percentages tell you that Carson Beck's probably going to be really good at Georgia. Uh, the percentages tell you that Alabama and Ohio State are, are probably going to find the right guy, but there's there's no guarantee of that. I mean, again, not every you – know, Steve Spurrier is one of the best to ever do it. Not every quarterback that he handpicked was a great player. I mean, you just sometimes you don't know until they get out there and, and have to do it. Yeah, and I think it, we just assumed, for instance, Clemson would keep the football train rolling for as long as Dabo Sweeney is the head coach there. I'm not saying that they're going to fall apart this season, but we've certainly started to already see them going in the wrong direction. And so – Quarterback matters so much. It's not about the head coach like we've talked about ad nauseum. So if you don't have the right quarterback, then your season doesn't go according to plan. Yeah, even though you, in college football you can mitigate that a lot by having good everything else, but you're going to have the quarterback. You can talk forever about all the draft picks George's had the last two years, but St- without Stetson Bennett, they're not winning those titles. I, I, I feel very strong that way. Stetson Bennett was really good. I mean, I, I'm try- the, I think the days – of winning a title with ordinary quarterback plays over. I know Jacob Coker won one in Alabama. There have probably been some others. But it's been a while since a team with ordinary quarterback plays won it, wouldn't you say? Yeah, normally you need the Vince Young yeah. kind of player. Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. more than you're going to get by with uh, yeah. the Cokers. So, yeah, I, I yeah, would think particularly the way that, you know, again, the, the, the talent that is coming out in terms of the, the passing game at the high school level I just I don't think you're going to see a I don't think you're going to see a, a basically a journeyman quarterback yeah. that win a national title. We'll take a break. We're going to come back. Let's talk a little hoop on 1010 XL at 92.5. That's up. Journey's in town on Sunday night. Uh, can't wait to see them. So they are the act today on Old Rock Thursday. Also a new show coming up on Sunday. Speaking of Sundays, Gibby, tell us all about the baseball show, bro. Yeah, well, thank you, Frank. Uh, yeah, so River City Hardball is something I came up with a couple of years ago, actually during COVID. It was an idea that I had during COVID, and I turned it into a podcast, and now it's become a, a radio show here on 1010XL, which is awesome. And really, it's just spotlighting uh, local baseball here in Jacksonville, high school, college, and pro. So uh, the first show is Sunday morning at 11 a.m. till noon, uh, sponsored by my friends at DBAT Jacksonville uh, over on Powers Avenue, the uh, the best training facility in, in Jacksonville for baseball and softball. If you haven't checked them out, Powers Avenue is where you, where you go to find them. And so uh, the first show is, is Sunday. Uh, Brett Myers is going to be my first guest on the show to open the show. And 
Uh, he was supposed to come in live, but his son Colt is a big-time uh, recruit at the University of Florida for baseball, and he's playing in a tournament down in Sanford this weekend, so Brett won't be able to make it in live. But uh, he and I recorded uh, the first segment yesterday, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Give me a taste. So this is Brett telling a story from the 2008 World Series uh, run for the Philadelphia Phillies, and here's Brett. Spring training, prepared to be a starter and everything. Well, the first half of the year was not going good. I mean, I was getting beat around. I, um, it was kind of the transition back. I was, I guess I was too stubborn to see it at the time. The transition back to being a starter was I needed to pitch and not just throw out of the bullpen. I would just come out and let it all eat for an inning and, you know, try to strike everybody out. And then as a starter, you're supposed to, you know, be more efficient, let guys put it in play and not try to strike everybody out. Well, I was out there trying to strike everybody out. I'd have a hundred and something pitches after four or five innings and it just wasn't working. And then, then I'd fall behind, make mistakes. Guys would hit homers. And I, I was just, I had like a five, eight, two ERA, like a month before the all-star break. And I was just in the pits, man. It was terrible. Um, it was a bad time. And I told him, I said, put me in the bullpen. I'm not helping the team. Like, let me get it. Let me see if I can find it and get it back. And they didn't do that. They sent me to the minor leagues, which I was, I did not have to go. And I was fighting it for a minute. Um, and then I just kind of gave in to myself because my pride was got, my pride got in the way. And I didn't want to go to the minors, but they sent me down for about 20 days, four, four or five starts just to, figure out what I was doing wrong and to basically give my brain a break. It's kind of what it came down to. And then uh, I came back up after the all-star break and I ended the, the second half with like a one five or one six ERA. And we made it to the playoffs and then we won the world series. So it was kind of like what an up and down year I had, you know, I was in the dumps. I, I got, I got sent down to the minors to a world series champion all in one year and this is kind of it changed my whole perspective of the game of baseball all right interesting stuff Gibby, can't wait to hear it man Gibby comes up on what time again gib on sunday 11 a.m sunday morning all right 11 a.m sunday morning river city hardball that's a cruel story from brett myers and you'll hear from all the key baseball people in town guys that played in the past guys playing right now and Gibby loves him with some baseball so be tuned in 11 o'clock on sunday mornings here on 1010 xl some basketball now um I understand that he, Baba Miller was down for a while and that FSU has had so many great runs and has so many players in the NBA. Terrence Mann, by the way, is really tearing it up now um, that have played very well over the years and very few teams have, have recruited, other than the normal ones, Duke and Kansas and Kentucky, very few teams have recruited as many good players and sent them to the NBA the way Leonard Hamilton has in the last five, six, seven years. But boy, oh boy, the Knowles are 8-20. and 20. They are 6-11 and 11 in their league. They have lost, after it looked like they had maybe gotten Miller back and turned the corner a little bit, they have lost four in a row and seven out of eight. Boy, oh boy, I I don't think I saw that coming maybe ever now until Leonard Hamilton got out of it. That shocks me. Me too. I am surprised they weren't able to salvage a run towards a 500 season at least. Uh, And, and, yeah, to finish where they're, you know, going to be, I mean, it's – it's a really disappointing season, and again, I think it'll be interesting to see if Leonard Hamilton wants to continue coaching. I mean, he is what I, I think we look this up every week. He's what seventy-four, yeah. something like that, and uh, you know, so I, I'll be curious to see you know what what the future is for 
uh, Leonard Hamilton, and it's his decision. I'm not right. suggesting he'll be in any trouble, but uh, but whether he wants to continue to do it. They started out one and nine, then they won three out of four and four out of six, and it felt and they had Miller back, and it felt like they had turned the corner. Right? I mean, they looked would look at that point like it said, okay, it's not going to be a tournament year, but it's going to be a year that's not as bad as it started. And since that turning the corner, they have been really bad. I mean, they, they're – I mean, and, and guess what? Guess what they've got left? They're not winning another game. At Miami, who's really good, 13th in the country. Home against North Carolina, who's not North Carolina of old. They're having a tough year too. But they're trying to make it in the tournament. But Every they, game matters. They get a game 100%. And then at Virginia Tech, who's pretty good. So, I mean, they're, they're in all likelihood, they're going to finish the regular season 8-23. and 23. How does the ACC do their tournament? I guess, every, I guess everybody gets in. There's play-ins, so, but they're all uh, in. Yeah, so they'll, they'll probably just play the opening night, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I would imagine it's, it's going to be the earliest end to their season in terms of the calendar that they've had. Not count, I mean, even, even the COVID season would have gone on longer because right. they were in the tournament when it got canceled. Uh, I mean, I, wow. I, I, I'm just – I mean, they're going to be. They're going to finish all likelihood eight and twenty-three. I mean, their season's going to be over. Like what? February twenty. Right. Not Feb. Well, February right. Twenty-eighth, March first, March set somewhere right. in there. They've only got like one well, more we're at week the combine. Yeah. in the regular season. Right. So the ACC tournament isn't this coming week, but the week after. Yeah. So I mean, wow. By the way, Louisville four and twenty-four. How about that? I, I didn't think that's a team that's fired, obviously traditionally and, really good. And they yeah. fired Chris Mack, the, the, right? The three of us as a staff could win five games at Louisville, right? Boy, which, which you boy you would think, and then so really bad. Meanwhile, the Gators have. I would now, just keep yelling "box out." Yeah, <laughs> rebound. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Gators have lost five of six. Uh, obviously, losing their best player was a big part of that, um, but they still lost five of six. They they played Kentucky tough. Uh, we, we it was were, a fun game to watch. It was a fun game to watch, and they hung around for a while, but they lost, they've lost five of six. As They're, soon as Livingston made that uh, two-point shot and was fouled and went to the line and made that, that's yeah. when you knew it was over. Yeah, and, and the putback. Yeah, so uh, I mean, that was an offensive rebound. So set, they've lost five of six. There's 14 and 14. I don't think they're winning at Vanderbilt. I don't think they're winning at Georgia. Um, home against LSU, maybe. Um, but in all likelihood – they're going to finish the regular season with a losing record. The uh, Florida and FSU are going to have losing record. We might see a year where neither one of them qualify for the NIT. I don't think – well, Florida State obviously isn't. Yeah. And I don't think Florida – I agree with you. I, I don't know that they'll go 0-3, but I bet you it's 1-2, yeah. so which would be 15-16. and 16. When is the last time – what, when and, it, and I think they'll probably lose. They'll probably finish fifteen and seventeen because they'll, they'll lose the tournament. Their SEC. Game. I mean, what in the world has happened that these two have? And again, they're not great basketball jobs, and they're certainly not basketball schools. Florida, as of now, is projected to be a three seed in the NIT. But they have to have a winning record, right? right. I mean, that's still that rule is still in. I don't think they've adjusted it like bowl games where you can get in at five and yeah, seven. Yeah, you do have to have. A, I think you have to have a winning record. I would think. Yeah, I, I, mean, I guess I don't know that definitively, but I would think that's probably the case. Yeah, so. So think about it. They're, uh, imagine if they – My guess is they'll lose to Vanderbilt, beat Georgia, lose to LSU. That and would then make lose it. in the SEC opener. Then you're 15 and 17 and you're overall. Out. And you're done. And you are 8 and 10 in the regular season. And Owen one. yeah, I don't think you move on. Well, how weird is that? And so here's the other thought I, th- I thought about. Knowing the Florida personnel better than I do the FSU personnel, obviously. 
we keep talking about having the foundation of Kugel, Richard, probably Alex Fudge, Shimmy, I guess, and then everybody else is new. Does Kugel leave? Does he go to – I don't think he's ready for the draft, but does he go to the portal? He I mean, sure is going to get calls. He's going to get all kind of calls. Elite I mean, I mean Kugel's a guy he, – he, Kugel could go to Duke or Kansas. He's not going to be great there, but he could make the team there. You know, I think he's better off served at a school like Florida where he can be more of the star. But, I mean, can, can this thing get resurrected is my question. I think it can get resurrected. I, I do think that Todd Golden is a good coach. And I think that he's had to have some learning pains this year, uh, adjusting. But I, I think I was really impressed with how they played last night. Uh, again, they ha- they're not just missing their best player. They're missing their best player by a country right. mile. Right. Uh, and they had no answer for Shibwe. Yeah, and so it, that's a terrible matchup anyway. Right. And Which then is what's tricky about Vanderbilt Hill. Right. Too. And yeah. so uh, you know, I, I think that I think he's. I think he's. This could have been a lot worse for Florida. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, so, I think that. I think that he can get it done, but there is much work to be done because he's going to have to. I, he's going to have to find three or four guys in the portal, and it's going to be a tough sell. Other than the fact that they can be the primary players on the team right away, but it's a tough sell in terms of no one knows who he is. I mean, he was at San Francisco for two years, right? Uh, and and now he's the coach at Florida. He has no ties, uh, you know, to to anything of consequence, and uh, you know, and and so I, I think it's going to be a tough sell. But if he's able to do it, I mean, look, Billy Donovan had a lot of tough sells that he right. won, uh, and you know, I mean, how he got Mike Miller to Florida will always be one of the greatest recruiting victories of any sport in Florida history. Uh, so I'm not saying that it can't be done, but I think Todd Golden, I think he's a good, solid coach. I think he's done about as good a job as you could do with this club. But, uh, but he's, I'm, he needs to now, having gone through a year in the SEC as a head coach uh, and having seen the deficiencies, uh, I think you, you adjust what you know, players that you identify in the portal I th- and and if he does that, and you know, I, I think they can be better in year two. I, I don't think it's yeah. going to be elite, but I think they can be an NCAA tournament team that finishes well. fifth in the SEC next year. I think players want to play for Todd Golden. That's the bottom line. So I, I, the players, at least on the team, I don't know about transfer portal and recruiting and all that stuff, but I don't think Riley Kugel is going anywhere. I think what we saw last night was a coach who literally took a bunch of scrubs besides Kugel and had them have Kentucky on the ropes, and is it – a great Kentucky team, no, but it's still pretty good. And again, Shibwe is a guy who's hard to defend to begin with. You lose your center. I was really impressed. And, and from what I can kind of tell online, it doesn't look like you do have to have a 500 record to make the NIT. That's not a requirement. But since they dropped that rule a couple of years ago, no team that's been sub 500 has made the NIT. Okay, well, so then it, it it's seems, an unwritten rule. It, sounds it like. seems, yeah, like it's more unwritten. The uh, um, back to him taking doing a good job with a, with a team full of scrubs. Well. I would agree they play hard for him. And I would believe they play above, as a team, they play collectively above their talent. I agree with that because I don't think there's many good players on that team. But will he be able to build a team that's not a team full of scrubs? That's the question. Here's what you don't know, and and, and we won't know this about any of these guys. How connected are they in the basketball community? That's how you get guys in basketball. Basketball, it's all about the syndicate, man. 
and the AAU teams and, and the AAU coaches and the travel tournaments, and how connected are you? Football, to a degree, the same thing on the 7-7, seven and seven, but the high school coach at football is still in play. The high school operation, basketball's really not. Basketball, the great players, the, the AAU teams and all that, so how connected is Todd Golden and his staff in those areas? Well, if, again, he's got a couple commitments, but they're three-star guys, aren't they, for next yeah. year? So, I mean, I, and that doesn't mean he won't. And maybe he'll do well in the portal, but I, um, well, I the, don't know. The other component that I'm really interested in with Todd Golden is he emphasized the importance of international player acquisition. And so that's going to be really, I think, fascinating because he may his answer may be, I'm going to go get – Three or four international players, mm-hmm. which Florida I think I think I think is going to be met with a little bit of skepticism. Right. Like, okay, well, because they're not going to be rated and anything like that. But that was the emphasis that when he took the job, he said the SEC has not done a good job compared to the other conferences at really mining the talent that's global, and we're going to do that here. We're getting which, Victor K. Which is yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Which is uh, which is fine. I mean, look. I mean, go go find the best players. He's I got mean, he's got two guys coming now. Thomas Hall, a three-star power forward, six nine from Pennsburg, Pennsylvania, and Alex Condon, a six ten guy from Australia. To your point. So, um, and again, I'm sure they're going to recruit other guys, but no one's ever been dominant in college basketball with a team full of international guys. Uh, teams like Gonzaga, to your point about FSU, teams have supplemented what they've had with good international players. But I can't remember any team winning the national championship. or even I can't even think of a Final Four team that has a high percentage of international players. They all have one or two, right? Well, and I, I'm not trying to mislead people. I mean, I, I, I don't think the, he's trying to – Yeah, I, mean, I don't I'm think he's you. trying to build a roster full of them. Just that – that there should be an international presence to supplement the roster. My guess is he's going to go and get four players out of the portal. We'll have to. He has no choice. We're playing Division One basketball, and hopefully those players come from programs that I think are a little higher level than the kids that you know we're playing that he brought in this year. Uh, I would assume the answer is maybe another you know freshman, but he needs to. I mean, not that he needs to win to save his job, but he needs to show improvement. So my guess is it's going to be four veterans out of the portal that can come in and contribute right away. I think he missed on his portal guys this year. I think without a doubt. Yeah, Lofton, Richard, Fudge, and Bonham did not turn out to be particularly good players. Bonham especially. I I think Fudge, if you had had a better point guard, well, Lofton than in that case too, but – Lawson and Bonham, if you had a, a more seasoned veteran point guard, I think Fudge then gets better. Uh, Richard might get better, but they, it just doesn't seem like they've had that well, guy to lead them. There's some truth to that. Lofton being – and Lofton's not a bad player. He's just irrelevant. Lofton's inability to take over games has affected a lot of them. He, but Richard hasn't – Richard's just been streaky. Every now and then he'll make a few threes, but – yeah, I mean, none of those guys. And, look, they're playing out of position. Richards should be a two-guard. He's playing power forward because they've lost so many big guys. But, I mean, Felder, was, they already had him. But, yeah, the team wasn't very good. So, it'll be interesting to see, A, can they be any good? And, B, does anybody care? I mean, the reality is, I said this to Hicken, people want to know if Scott Strickland's in some trouble. Well, here's the reality. Florida is in great shape in, in gymnastics track 
They just won swimming, men's and, men's and women's swimming. They've had national championships recently in track. The tennis guy was an unbelievable player. Gymnastics is ranked top five. Second, thank you very much. Yeah, baseball is ranked either second or seventh based on who you watch. Sure. Softball might have the best team they've had in years. They could win the. They could go to Omaha, Oklahoma City in baseball and softball. Win gymnastics. The facilities are great now. The baseball facility is as good as any in the country. The new football building they say is state of the art. Basketball is fine now. They're going to get to the uh, the football, which we will talk about if not today, tomorrow's show. So everything's good, except football and basketball, which is how you're measured. In that, almost everything else that athletic program is about as good as it could get, except your football and basketball. Except your football men's basketball teams aren't very good, and that kind of overshines everything else, doesn't it? It does. And again, both those coaches are in year one, and so and they're it, big hires for Scott you Strickland. Ha- you have to give them time. I also think that Florida just hired a president that is going to be very sports friendly. And I, I, I think that he is not going to come in in year one or year two and fire Scott Strickland. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And Scott Strickland is not going to fire Billy Napier or Todd Golden because of the heat it's going to put on him. So I think what you're going to see is Florida, for better or for worse, is going to batten down the hatches, and this is it. This is the team – this is the coaching staff of those two sports, and this is your AD for the next, I think, at least two years, mm-hmm. if not longer. And, uh, and to your point, Frank, you hope that you know by the time you get through next season and the year after that season that there's a lot of excitement yeah. for football and bas- basketball. Maybe you haven't gotten to the level that you'd hope, but you see the nucleus, you see the direction, and you're like, well, why would we change course now? It looks like this guy has us on the right path. We'll take a break. Lauren wraps the show with news and notes after this. Stay with us. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Journey today on Old Rock Thursday. Every now and again, we have a new band that makes it for Old Rock Thursday, or we have a new word that makes the program a few years ago. It was charcuterie. Has Bougie ever made the Frangie show? I don't think so. No, my, my daughter accuses us of that any, all the time. That you're Bougie? Yeah, all the time. So uh, my daughter. So you certainly know what the word means. Yeah, yeah. It's not a word I'm making up. My right. daughter always accuses no. me of it. You no, guys you're are, innocent this time. You, you guys. <laughs> right. I'm, con- I'm still convinced she made up charcuterie and then it just took off. And then it just, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a trendsetter. Yeah. Uh, had that been the case, I would have a lot more money than I do right now. Uh, well, once upon a time, an undrafted free agent, also known as Alan Lazard, who also used to play for the Jaguars and recently the Packers, he said that he's excited to see what awaits him in free agency, but noted he'd be bougie in choosing his next club. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, well, is that how you use it normally? Because I thought it was, like, fancy. I did, too. So bougie can be fancy. It I can also be, yeah, you're being selective. Oh, oh, I, didn't, okay. I, didn't, I thought it was fancy. Yeah. I don't think my daughter ever accused us of being selective. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that was her point. So in that Walker Hayes song, Applebee's, he says, bougie like, and then starts singing about, you know, like things that aren't really bougie. He's kind yeah. of twisting it. But still, I just thought the word needed to make an appearance I in the program. It, and I so love it. And, and, and Hayes and I have Walker Hayes all over our playlist. So, <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I don't believe that. I did see today that uh, – one reporter tweeted, if there is no compromise, the possibility of the Ravens trading Lamar Jackson has never been more likely. I feel like we talk about Lamar Jackson every single day, 
Do you think a compromise happens? I don't think I don't I think he's playing for the Ravens next year. So I guess that's your answer. I I I would be if the Ravens don't find a way for him to play quarterback for them next year, it would be malpractice haze as you like to say. I can't imagine that he's not. The craziest story I saw in terms of speculation on mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, Florio for Pro Football Talk wrote, could Lamar Jackson sit out the season? That would be no. beyond shocking. Like a Le'Veon Bell. I don't like a Le'Veon yeah. Bell, and that was the example yep. that he gave. Who, there, ne- who never came yeah, back. Right. Who never, there's no chance yeah. Lamar Jackson's going to forfeit $32 million to not play this season. That would season. be bad advice. Yeah, there's yeah. no chance that happens. I, I was. It was one of those things I was surprised he even wrote it. And, Flor- yeah. um, and Florio throws stuff out yeah, there. But that was even to a level of, I can't. <laughs> first off, it's not like the relationship is damaged. I mean, the Ravens appreciate Lamar, and I think Lamar has enjoyed being a Raven. But they're at an impasse on because of the Deshaun Watson deal yep. of what Lamar Jackson should get. But it's not like they hate each other. And so I, I don't think it's going to come down to that at all. I think Lamar Jackson gets tagged, and they will in good faith try to come to a, a deal with Lamar Jackson. But I think ultimately he's probably going to end up, at worst case, playing on the franchise tag for the Ravens this season. Now, he may not show up for camp the first day, which would be in his right to do because he's not under contract until he signs the tender. Uh, So, I mean, you may see that. You may see Lamar Jackson miss the first couple preseason games, but I don't think he's sitting out actual regular season games. We talked about Aaron Rodgers coming out of the darkness retreat. Well, if he wanted to know what the darkness retreat entailed, the room was a partially underground hobbit-like structure in southern Oregon with 300 square feet of space, devoid of light, with a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat on the floor. That is not bougie, folks. What is he doing? <laughs> what are you doing? He is trying to go to find his inner being, peace, and happiness. Uh, Hayes, you mentioned We need to get Matt Paulus on the yeah, phone right, immediately right. to get his <laughs> thoughts on this. Yeah. Hayes, you mentioned it earlier. Scott Strickland, the Florida athletic director, said a few hundred million dollars in upgrades are coming to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Yeah, it's going to be really intriguing to see what the plan is going to be for this because Scott Strickland was very clear in his comments. This isn't just a new scoreboard and you know, some Wi-Fi upgrades. This right. isn't a 10-year deal. This is a 75-year fix, and it is going to be arguably the most ambitious collegiate investment in a facility that the country has seen to this point. Uh, it's going to be a massive fundraising effort. Uh, I think that's a big reason why this president is here, because of his background and being able to do that and the connections he obviously has as a for- being a former U.S. senator. Uh, from Nebraska. So, I mean, I think you're getting ready to see uh, a massive plan so, announced of the swamp being renovated at a very high level. So what do you expect? I mean, I mean, cover for the seats, um, more seats in there. I mean, how different? I would will think it? less seats. Fewer seats. Okay, I do and, too. And more of the luxury amenities. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, what the, that's a given. But, I mean, will it look different? Will they, will they cover I think the, it'll look different. I mean, because I mean, it looks like a concrete, I mean, so old facility now. Like, like all the college ones do. They all do. Every college stadium looks like that. So will they make it look more, you know, Soldier Field looks gross, but they change it by making it look like a spaceship. They changed Hard Rock Stadium in Miami by putting awnings all over the, the – I mean, I want, that's what I'm wondering. He, I wonder if it'll be all that. He, I think it will be. And he talked about the repurposing of so much square footage. Like they've got a massive weight room in there now mm-hmm. that the football team doesn't need anymore. 
right, the basketball right. team has its own weight room, so right. they really just need to build a weight room for their Olympic sports. The Olympic sports programs use that weight room now in the swamp. And will continue to. No, that's going to go. Okay. So they're going to repurpose all of that. Uh, they're going to and build just off somewhere else, build another right, weight right. room for the Olympic sports. And, uh, um, and, and they talked about the football offices. Everything in there is going to be repurposed. Right. Um, so it, it's going to be dramatic. I mean, it, it kind of makes it sound like it's going to be a football stadium purely for hosting fans at a football yeah. game. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously they'll, they'll go through the, the intricacies of it as it gets closer. But wouldn't it be amazing if there was a renovated stadium in yeah. Jacksonville yeah, I, going on at the same time? that the swamp is getting renovated in Gainesville. It seems like those paths may parallel. You know what I'm going to need? A rendering. You give Blueprints me a, are coming. You <laughs> give me a rendering, a couple beers, and a ribeye, how good's my day? Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to need a rendering. Well, if you're a Florida booster, get ready to get a call. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say, you might have to donate I, some money. Yeah, yeah I, don't need a, I don't need a call. The, the, the I need a rendering. Of, the city of Gainesville isn't splitting this. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I just need a rendering. No, absolutely. That's all I need. Uh, before we say hello to Hacker, Frank, I loved this from Albert Pujols. He was asked if he misses baseball. I don't miss a freaking thing about it. I really don't. I've been playing baseball for 38 years of my life. Yeah, I, I, I'll bet that'll change. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet that'll change. I'll bet at one point he will. Um, so I'm in the basketball game. He's in the all-star basketball game. Did you see him? In the, I did not watch, the celebrity but I, game. Yeah. I did so see did. some of the celebrities. Yeah. All right, let's say hello to Hack. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Hack, do you watch? I know you're a big Magic fan, and obviously you're a Gator fan and everything. Are you a Gator basketball fan, too? Don't I should know this. Are you a big Gator basketball fan, too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, um, this year's been very disappointing. Uh, so I, I don't follow them as much, probably because uh, the night show that I have now with Hacker After Dark. Yeah, but yeah, I, get it. I, I do watch every game. I have every game DVR. And I got to tell you, last night, the battle that they put with Kentucky, it was a good effort after what happened against Arkansas. But. Boy, it's been a rough year. Number one for Todd Golden. So give me your give me your order. I, I'm, I've got I've got I've got in whatever order: Jaguar football, Pirate baseball, Gator football, and basketball is about all I got. I got four teams. So what your order is? I know the Magic and the Jaguars and the Gator football team are all in there. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, those would be the top three, I guess. In the order, probably. Jaguars, uh, Gators. Although, as I tell people, Frank, I'm, I'm an objective broadcast journalist, so no uh, question. No you know, question it, it's, you it's one of those deals. Uh, the you Magic are. would probably be number three, and then of course, when the Rays and the Lightning are good around postseason yeah. time, well, I really I get involved with them. I know you're a big fan of both of those, but Gator basketball <laughs> not high on your list, though. So not as high as it is on mine. No, I, have, I mean, I mean, I don't cl- have an NBA team, right? Clearly, when Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford and Corey Brewer were doing their thing down there, it was a little more fun but no I don't religiously watch every game but I know enough to speak intelligently about it and it's been a rough year man there's no question just like you and I and Hayes and Lauren and Dan and Jeff all have Joe Cowart probably too are pissed off when the Gator football team is bad okay uh I'm also pissed when the basketball team's bad, but I didn't know if you if you were in that cat. I guess that's what I'm asking. So no, I, I don't lose any sleep when the Gator basketball team loses, although what I've found as I've gotten older, and I kind of appreciate you and your Pittsburgh Pirates fandom for this, yep. Yep, I yep. get madder and madder when Orlando loses a game now in the NBA. Yep. And I'm like, this is so ridiculous. There's 82 of these things. They're going to lose a lot of them. Yep. You have 162 games, yeah. and I know you get really fired up 
if the Pirates lose a 3-1 game on June 5th. Yeah, 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 I would say your Magic fandom and my Pirate fandom are very similar. I think they both suck, by the way. Yes. Okay? They yes. both suck for a long time. Like, I'm just like you. I think there's a lot of young players. They're going to get better. I see the progress. And just like you do, and uh, they may be good for a few years. In five years, six years, we're both going to suck again. Just so you know that. Just, just I'm laying that out well, for you. Well, when there. both teams turn the corner, you and I will have earned that because damn. we never left. Damn right, damn right. What's coming up tonight? What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, look, I hear you guys talking about the Gators. I want to spend some time on the Florida Athletic uh, Department as far as on the court, on the field. It's not good right now. Gator football is a below-average SEC team. Gator basketball is not going to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, you go back 15 years, they were the king of – of both and now they are barely above water in both what happened to florida basketball florida football we're going to spend some time on that and then of course uh, 18 days before nfl free agency there will never be a night here on hacker after dark that we do not dedicate a lot of time to the jacksonville jaguars all that coming up from six o'clock to eight o'clock this evening all right hey, thanks buddy we appreciate it thanks guys all right hacker nation hacker after dark comes up right now that'll do it for our program I just want to say something really quick, and I apologize. The Strickland comments were made on the Steve Russell show. Okay. So, and I'd read the story, but I do remember the comments being attributed to that. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that yeah, out. Steve so, that's Russell, where, so that's where he said it. Yeah, Steve Russell has the midday, does a great job with sports scene and has for 100 years midday in Gainesville. Glad you cleared that up. All right, that'll do it for our program tomorrow at UNF. We're going to watch a little hoop, right? With that we are. UNF plays host to Bellarmine. Yes, we're going to, we saw Zeller, Bellarmine. We know, we know what to expect from them. We saw them last night. that time. we do. It'll be fun to watch their warm-ups we'll again. We'll see them tomorrow. That's exactly right, folks. That'll do it for our program. We're out of here. Don't go anywhere, though. Hacker After Dark right now. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. Have a great night.